Captain's Log, Stardate 666.Hail Satan. I'm Captain Britain. And I'm Mokra Officer Pat. These are the voyages of the Starship Soyager, our ongoing mission to explore new Trek episodes, to seek out old Trek, both cringe and based, and to boldly go where serious Trekkies give us scorn. This is Soy Trek, the show where two Trekkies this week ask themselves, why not just give Ensign Harry Kim a fucking promotion? Agreed. The dude does everything. Today we'll be watching (laughs) and reviewing Star Trek Lower Decks, Season 3, Episode 4, Room for Improvement, the new track for this week, and an old Trek episode, Star Trek Voyager, Season 2, Episode 12, Resistance. Resistance. But first, let's get into what's going on in the world of Trek with some Trek news. We got Trek news for you. News you can use to wash away your blues. We got Trek news for you. What the fuck you gonna do? What the fuck you gonna do? This week in Trek news, according to an article from Yahoo Entertainment this week, (laughs) just a couple days ago, Will Wheaton is trying to become a god in Star Trek Online. (laughs) According to the article, Wheaton is the latest Star Trek cast member to lend his likeness and voice to the MMO in Ascension. It's a newest expansion. However, Wheaton is not reprising his role as regular old little Wesley Crusher from Enterprise and most recently... Star Trek Picard, <laughs> season two, with a finale spoiler alert. Um, but instead, the Mirror Universe Wesley Crusher, oh. who is the Terran Emperor. <laughs> he wishes. That's, that's such a, um, it's like a, like. That's, that's a, a that's, fanfic he wrote himself. Yeah, that's that says a lot about his psyche, you know, uh-huh. where he want where, like, he sees himself as, like, yeah. not, a, like, not only, like, you know, a badass but also like the emperor. He's the traveler <laughs> and but the mirror universe him is like even cooler. He's the emperor of Terran. Yeah. That's interesting. But also it's interesting cuz like that'll be the first like I mean I think the only other place you've seen like the Terran TNG cast is like in comics in the comics and stuff. Like you don't you, there yeah. was no uh, mirror, there was no mirror episodes of TNG. Yeah, that's true. And the the mirror universe stuff of TNG looks awesome. Yeah. It's like they're like super like kung fu like ripped and shit. Yeah, yoded like, uh Yeah, they're, they're uh, Picard. All, yeah, they're all fucking yoked <laughs> yeah. and shit. And yeah. It's, yeah, it's like an it's evil Picard versus evil Riker I think or some shit like that. They should have given evil Picard like hair. That would have been interesting. <laughs> I don't know. Would that, that I think that would ruin Picard in a way. Yeah. Yeah, like, but I think I just think it would be funny. Like yeah. he just has like he he still ha- he like He's, I mean, he or had, he's like really vain and he has a comb over. Oh, that'd be that'd be funny. <laughs> yeah. he, he had like a goatee though, which was pretty. Sweet. Yeah, he does have a goatee. Yeah, we like a, and I think it's like a black goatee. He's like mm-hmm. extra satanic looking, which is dope. As yeah, he's like Anton Levey or something. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. So 
According to the game lore, apparently, uh, Mirror Wesley merged with The Other, which is the Mirror Universe equivalent to Star Trek The Motion Picture's V'ger. Mm. Uh, he merged with it to become all-powerful. Oh, God. As Emperor, the expansion sees you completing multiple tasks in order to defeat Crusher, much like this podcast is a task <laughs> we're performing to defeat the real-life Maleficent Will Wheaton. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's true. Uh, moving on in Trek news, according to Star Trek Discovery showrunner Michelle Paradise, which is a pretty great name. Yeah, that's a pretty cool name. Uh, writing for Discovery Season 5 has been completed, hmm. and the show is now moving into its later production phases. Filming on the fifth season reportedly began back in early June in Toronto and is about halfway completed at this time. In an interview with Trek Movie, Paradise talked about lessons they've learned from the past seasons and how they plan on applying them this time around, saying, quote, We learn from every single season, and not just from every season. We learn from episode to episode, both creatively and logistically, working to be better and reaching to be better and reaching to be the best possible version of the show that we can be, and the best possible addition to the Star Trek universe. The things that come to mind immediately are probably things that are perhaps less interesting to fans of the show itself, but there were a lot of lessons learned last season in the lines of production logistics and how we shoot during a time of COVID. What that requires and how to make sure that we're not only keeping people safe, which is the priority, but also getting through our days and making a great show. We have the brand new technology in the AR wall, which is a phenomenal technology. And that also has a learning curve. And so we've learned a lot and uh, about that over season four, we'll be able to come in and see new ways to use it in season five. Mm. Uh, I don't know what the AR wall is. Uh, didn't I hear somewhere it's supposed augmented to be the reality wall something? Yeah, maybe. I, but didn't I hear somewhere it's supposed, uh, it's supposed to be the last season? I, number five. I, I saw something about that. I don't, I don't know if that's for certain. And it's only yeah. going to be 10 episodes in, as compared mm. to 13. Hmm. Um, I gave up in the middle of season three. Um, so here's hoping they actually learn some real lessons <laughs> and plan on improving cause, cause woof. Yeah. I'm still going through season four and like, I'm like, eh, I mean, I'm going to eventually catch <laughs> up on it when we eventually get to the next season of it. And I have mm -hmm. to review it in the, in the same way I did lower decks and was actually pleasantly surprised with lower decks. Yeah. But I don't think it's going to be that way with discovery. Cause like everyone else I've talked to is like, yeah, season three uh, and season four. Whoa. Yeah. And like, they're like, ho, 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 <laughs> oh, no. Uh, yeah, like, it, like, it's not like, I mean, it's not just like, uh, not really just, uh, I find it too interesting. Like, I just, I just don't like, like, the, the season long story arc. I, like, by, no. by, by, by a certain point, I, I just stop caring about whatever story they're telling. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's <laughs> always like, uh, uh, great powers threatening the galaxy. It's so marvelized. Yeah. And shit. It's, and it's, it is. I mean, it is so marvelized. And it's like everything's trying to fit into a greater continuity. Mm -hmm. uh, everything is sarcastic. Uh, everything is like very, like, neoliberally political. Like, yeah. it's political in the same way Pepsi is political. Mm -hmm. um, and like, Everything has to be about the end of the world versus some great power. Yeah. Every single fucking time. There's, That's the only stakes they can possibly think up. There is interesting stuff that happens, like, on the last episode I watched uh, when they're communicating mm -hmm. with, like, an, an advanced alien species um, yeah. that can't communicate in conventional means. Like, Well, they only communicate, like, through Morse code, through prostate massages. <laughs> and 
very similar. No, <laughs> they, they do like it's like uh, Tilly, get your tongue they, out. They we do know, like you know what to do, baby. Uh, pheromones uh, paired with light displays. That's how it, that they this like weird like uh, communicate communication method they developed. Like this alien species developed to possibly communicate with. Oh, so a laser light shows. Yeah, <laughs> with incense burning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I was cool. just like, oh, that's pretty cool. And they do have like a part where ever where like uh, people add their two cents and. They work together as a team, and I'm like, I like that, but it's like also like at this point, I I just want it to be over with. <laughs> I'm just like, just solve the problem. Yeah, but yeah, but at least it's not as bad as Picard, which is like, you know, yeah, like I think the the standard for bad Trek right now. <laughs> right, right. Actually, uh, before we actually go any further in Trek news, we have some Trek news today uh, for you personally. What are you wearing, Pat? Describe the shirt oh, that you're wearing that you I'm just wearing- bought. Uh, the big dog, uh, dog trek shirt. You are, <laughs> which is a great shirt. So we were talking about it like last week, like yeah. <laughs> joking on big dog, and you were like, "Do they even still make big dog?" And I'm like, "You bet they make big oh. dog." And I bet they have a fucking Star Trek shirt. They have not only one but two. The other one is like it says like uh uh, "Beam me up, Scotty dog," yeah. or some shit like that. And it's like <laughs> your yours has like the whole bridge crew of TOS, and they all have different names. Yeah, it has Mister Spot. Uh-huh. And Spock. Oh yeah. oh yeah, that's so good. Lieutenant Ahaula. <laughs> Ahaula instead of Uhura. <laughs> Communications director. James T. Bark. Ooh, I love that. Love Lieutenant that. Checkers. Yeah, that's okay. Oh, of course, Doctor Bones. That's that's, oh, that's the same. perfect. That's perfect. Oh, of course, Mister Scotty is the yeah, same. That's fine. And then Mister Shizu instead of Sulu. That's that actually yeah. works pretty well. Yeah. That, when I was looking at, it, I was like Shi- Shitsu? Shitsu. Oh, oh, Sulu. Okay, I got yeah. you. So, oh, and where no dog has gone before. No, 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 no. Look at it again. Yeah, where no dog has gone. I, I thought it was no where no dog has bone. Oh no, that's what I thought at first. Now it's a G. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was no where no dog has bone before. <laughs> that would that, that would be, be so that much been better. better. Oh my god! Well, right? we're gonna have to write an angry angry letter to <laughs> oh. Big Dog. <laughs> Dear think... Big Dog, what the fuck? <laughs> like, I'm pretty positive. Like, their whole factory is just like one guy, <laughs> just like <laughs> one guy with a huge bong. He just like takes yeah. huge rips, and he's like, "Well, well an order." Back, no, back, what the fuck? <laughs> back to the Big Dog, and <laughs> <laughs> just like presses whatever shirt comes down the line. He's like, "Uh." <laughs> I want it's his just job. like a, a lonely time clock with just <laughs> one card in there. Yeah. It's just like Bernice, and it's a, he clocks in every day <laughs> in a factory full of just like plain white shirts, and then like the <laughs> the stencils for each each different big dog shirt. <laughs> it's like, well, it's time for creative time for the week. <laughs> What's a thing in culture? Let's see, Game of Thrones. I, I don't think. How they... about Game of Bones. <laughs> Whoa! Gotcha. All I mean, right. they do have some cool stuff. Like they have flip flops. They're like, but they're like sixty dollars. Like what? $60 yeah, flip flops. No one pays that much for fucking flip flops. <laughs> I know. Like the price pricing is so weird on things now. I, like I mean, like I mean, sixty dollars for like decent Birkenstocks. It'll last you. Yeah. Long. Although I I actually walked straight through my cork Birkenstocks. Like, oh shit! Yeah, I, I walk hard, man. <laughs> I walked right through the toe of one of those motherfuckers. You just got to get Crocs. Oh, oh, you do yeah. have Crocs. Of course yeah. I have Crocs. Yeah, that's right. You do have Crocs. I'm a, I'm a Crocs I'm a Crocs missionary. I tell people about Crocs. Yeah. Unfortunately, I need to get another pair of Crocs because I need one to wear all my funny giblets on because I actually <laughs> use those for work now. Okay. Um, I work in a field, a Crocs field. Crocs field. <laughs> uh, I'm a Crocsman, if you will. A Crocs keeper. I, I wish I had 
Crocs I could wear while I weld, but they have those holes in the thing that I'd probably just burn my feet. <laughs> well, you can you can get the uh, I think they're called the bistro style, and they're actually cheaper usually. They're mm-hmm. the ones where the holes are all filled. Yeah, but that needs to also be steel toe. That'd be sick. <laughs> steel toe, toe Crocs. Crocs, yeah. That would fuck so hard, especially if you like <laughs> burned off a little bit of the rubber on the front. You could see the steel. Mm-hmm. That'd be so hard. That's dude. actually how my boots are right now. I need to oh, get new that'd boots. Be so hard. That's still a hard look. <laughs> yeah. dude. I love that look. It's, yeah. Good look. Anyway, moving on from Trek news. Finally, in Trek news, um, this week IGN hosted a DS9 roundtable featuring Nana Visitor Terry Farrell. Mm. And Cole Meany, who played uh, Kira Norris, Jazia Dax, and Miles O'Brien, respectively. Hells yeah. I love all of them. Uh, yeah. The uh, three talk about the impact of the show and its overarching themes and how streaming has impacted the show's influence on a new generation. But most importantly, Terry Farrell confirmed that Jazia Dax is, or was, spoiler alert, <laughs> in fact, pansexual. I could, yeah. I mean, I think that was heavily implied. Well, yeah, I mean, like, you know, uh, she kisses, like, a woman and is married to Worf. And mm-hmm. all she loves that. Ryza. She oh, yeah. loves, oh, the people, yeah. loves people with transparent skulls. Oh, she's so into <laughs> J- Jamaharon. Mm-hmm. You know, you know Jedzia does Jamaharon hard. Oh, yeah. Like, she's into the rough trade, Jamaharon. Also, I, I have a feeling that comes with age. Like, oh, when, it comes all right. Because <laughs> she's, like, 300 years old, and I think at a certain oh. point, like... It's kind of like how, like, you know, when, like, there's that interview with Jake the Snake Roberts where he's talking about how, like, he had to get to progressively weirder sex because, like, because, like, conventional stuff wouldn't do it for him anymore. Jake the Snake rocks. So <laughs> he thinks he does. I don't even really like him as a wrestler. He's yeah. fine. Mm-hmm. I don't like the snake gimmick at all. It's <laughs> no. stupid. But, like, he rules. Yeah, like, he, his documentary rules. Oh yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Like if you haven't seen the Jake the Snake documentary, it, stop it, this it, podcast, it, watch it now, or keep listening to the podcast. No, yeah, don't <laughs> don't stop this podcast for yeah. anything. Yes, yes, like, anything. Keep it playing while watching the D- Jake the Snake documentary. Keep it playing while you're having sex. <laughs> I I dare you. I dare you to to try to come to our jokes. <laughs> you cha- challenge impossible. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I just kind of see that as for Jedzia. It's like 300 years, a long time, just boning. So it's like, you know, she needs to keep her options open. So. Oh, yeah. She needs to get into the weird shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's about uh, all that's happened in the world of Trek this week. So I think with that, it's time to take a trip down below. Are you ready, my friend, to venture to the lower decks this week? Hells Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about Trek, baby. The lower decks, baby. Let's talk about all the bad times, all the punchlines that may be. Let's talk about Trek, lower decks, season three, episode four. Just came out today, Thursday, September fifteenth, twenty twenty-two. Titled "Room for Growth." This one's uh, written by John Cochran. A Johnny mo- Cochran, uh, a guy named John Cochran, who is. <laughs> Get this, a lawyer with what? a JD from Harvard. So he's also a lawyer. No, no, it gets it gets so much weirder. <laughs> Just stay with me here. He also personally knows OJ Simpson. Hold, hold up. John Cochran <laughs> is a lawyer with a JD from Harvard who started his career in entertainment on the 23rd season of Survivor. He eventually came back and won the 26th season, and he went on to write for Kevin Can Wait. <laughs> and then he got a job. 
on lower decks writing. Hey, you know it's it was a pretty good episode. You know, it wasn't off, bad. It wasn't off bad. To, my so, hats off to Johnny Cochran. Yeah, you know what? Thanks. <laughs> yeah, well, here's Johnny. I guess he's he's the Johnny Cochran now because other Johnny Cochran died. Yeah. Do you think? Uh, like, do you think he killed him and like took his title? <laughs> do you think oh, he was maybe. allowed to be Johnny Cochran before that? I mean, yeah. I don't know if like SAG would actually allow someone to be like credited as Johnny Cochran still. Well, was, was Johnny well, Johnny Cochran didn't have acting roles, did he? I'm sure. He, I mean, he he was in movies as uh, himself, so mm. he had to have been. Oh star, yeah, I'm sure. Hmm. I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I mean, if he does, if he doesn't market himself as Johnny Cochran, I feel that's a waste. I mean, do you do you have to be in SAG at all to like cameo? Yeah, cameo as yourself? That's a good question. That's an interesting question to ask an entertainment lawyer that I really just don't care about right now. It's also directed by... by (laughs) I will. uh, Also directed by Jason Zurek. More like Jason Zurek. I don't care. uh, Who's done several episodes before and used to work on the new DuckTales. We've talked about him before. Oh, yeah. Uh, So, uh, let's get into the episode. We open in the lower decks of the USS Cerritos, and it's very busy. Tendi is playing with a small gelatinous creature in a beaker that she calls Goopy, but somebody knocks it over. Mariner tells another crew member he can replicate a larger towel, you know. And so it's the towel guy again. He was on another episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, Rutherford says it's not his fault and that they're all packed into such a small ship, noting it wasn't designed for such a large crew. Mariner says she really doesn't mind usually, but lately it's been too much. Boimler, who's tuning a violin, says he kind of likes it uh, as they're getting in the action, getting their hands dirty, even when they sleep. Mm -hmm. Suddenly the lights flicker as people begin running through the hallway in horror as Captain Freeman is levitating through the hallway wearing a mask. Uh, Mariner (laughs) says, oh boy, we got an ancient mask situation over here, uh, noting it's the third time it's happened. Mm -hmm. Uh, Freeman turns the deck into an ancient palace and turns Boimler's violin into a statue. Uh, he complains that he just tuned it. <laughs> yeah. And the, the Talarian's running after her saying mm-hmm. some Talarian stuff. It was kind of funny. Yeah, yeah, it's something spring, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, I like the callback to masks, which is like yeah. really bizarre TNG uh, episode. <laughs> I It's it's known as one of the worst TNG yeah. episodes. I, I love masks so yeah. much. It's such a weird... It's such a capital A acting episode. Mm-hmm. And it's it's funny. Yeah, they you know any re- any reason to give Brett Spiner a chance to do like voices and act his ass off, they just took it. Absolutely, he kills it in that episode. Yeah, it's so silly. Um, so yeah, that's it. Cold open. Uh, credits at one twenty here. Short cold open. Mm-hmm. We uh we open with a captain's log from Captain Freeman. Captain's log once again. The Cerritos was partially transformed into a temple. While I was inhabited by the spirit of Minoki. <laughs> Starfleet has come up with a better way to handle these D'Arcy archive situations. Lieutenant Commander Billups and his engineers have been working around the clock to repair the systems that turned into vines and aqueducts. And I'm worried the additional work has taken an emo- emotional toll. Uh, we open on Chief Engineer Andy Billups updating Freeman about the repairs as his overworked crew continue to work around them. Shax expresses concern as Billups and his crew have been working nonstop the entire week. And Freeman confirms this, and he's like, yeah, I'm just fine. Um, but then Captain Freeman says that uh, Dr. Tana has uh, had some concerns, noting Billups is, quote, a fucking pile of stress. <laughs> uh, Billups reacts angrily, further affirming their concerns. Um, 
with more weeks in the future of the USS Carlsbad, Billups suffers a breakdown when Shax tells him it's okay to take a break. And he, like, shaps, slaps Shax. <laughs> yeah, well, an effective slaps. Yeah. Um, I like how this is keeps in theme. Like, you know, we just reviewed um, uh, the Rise episode where... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, where um, yeah, Picard has to is ordered to take time off, and now it's like this episode has oh, a similar right. pro- similar premise where like oh, yeah, the, yeah, you're right, yeah, yeah, the engineering team is given order to mm-hmm. take a break. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Freeman then informs uh, him and the entire engineering crew that she's ordering a therapeutic getaway for him and his team, and informs them uh, about it, and it's like. All right, who's ready to have a vacation? And they're like, yay. <laughs> very, very honest. Uh, so, in his quarters, Rutherford is packing up for his getaway as Tendy wonders why he's bringing instruction manuals with him. And he says it's something fun to read in case relaxing gets boring and then decides <laughs> to bring two. Uh, as Freeman will be joining the getaway, the rest of the crew will be in standby with little to do, although they express some excitement for an upcoming lottery for four vacant rooms on deck one that have recently become available. As the rooms are penthouse suites, they promise to enter Rutherford into the lotteries. He will miss it. And they all say they're going to enter and try to go. Mm-hmm. As Rutherford leaves, he accidentally bumps into Tendi, resulting in her once again losing Goopy from the beaker. Uh, she chases Goopy into the Jeffries tubes around the ship, and upon securing it, she overhears some crew members. She's like, uh, Delta Shift. <laughs> Delta Shift. Uh, and they're, uh, <laughs> they're conspiring in the hallway to rig the uh, the room lottery in their favor um, mm-hmm. by like getting breaking into some console and not getting caught doing it. Yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad uh, Captain broke. Jellicoe's uh, Delta Shift no, yeah. still exists. <laughs> I mean, the, the four shifts make a lot more sense. It's like, yeah. Wouldn't you rather work just six hours instead of four hours a day. Yes. I mean, take take on a stronger contingent of crew members, but, like, you you have plenty of people in Starfleet, if you mm-hmm. want, I guess. Plenty of people to choose from, or non-commissioned officers, if yeah. you want. It's like, fuck it. Get a big crew. Yeah. Yeah, give everybody something to do, and, yeah, just rotate everyone out so no one gets too stressed out or overworked. And right. Can focus on playing their classical instruments or doing Shakespeare. Right. <laughs> rather, I mean, like who's still working eight hours a day in the future? That's dumb as hell. I know. Like I, God, I have 10 hour shifts. That's stupid as hell. <laughs> I know. I hate them. Or 10 to 12 hour shifts. I'm just like, Ugh. and with, with occasional mandatory overtime Fridays, which is fun. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Like, I think that's why I love Star Trek so much. I'm just like, take me there. I just want to. <laughs> just... Take me there. I want to go there. <laughs> uh, does it take you to your special place? Is that your, that your skill? Yeah, that's my happy place. Yeah. Because you don't really do any drugs or drink much or anything. No. You just drink a lot of seltzer water and eat a lot of <laughs> vegan sandwiches and watch Star Trek. Yeah. yeah. Someone should execute me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll poison your next meal. Next thank time you, you come you. over, I'll make you a tasty vegan meal, and it'll be the last thing you eat. I'll say my, my dying breath. I'll be like, "Thank you." Like, Damn, this is ta- you made it extra sloppy. <laughs> you put so much slop. So much slop. Thank you. <laughs> Release me. Um, so, uh, <laughs> Tendi returns to the bunks and tells Mariner and Boimler about what she heard, the conspiracy by the uh, the Delta crew, and confirms that since they found a way to bypass detection through the turbo laughed air gap terminals, they will get into uh, the available rooms and they'll 
Get him. Mariner is angry and wonders why Delta Shift doesn't just join the Maquis, which is an mm-hmm. interesting line. And, uh, I mean, <laughs> we haven't talked much about the Maquis on here before, but, like, it's weird that they're still using them because this is, like, you know, like, what, like 10, 20 years post TNG, DS9, all that stuff. Yeah. And so, like... I met, I Like, I, 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 I imagined the, like, with the fall of Cardassia and stuff... Right, because I feel that, like the, that was the problem yeah. that the Maquis had was the Cardassians. Yeah. And so it made sense that they were a problem up until the beginning of Voyager, basically. Mm-hmm. But then a couple years after Voyager, like, mm-hmm. um, like probably 2378, 2379, like the whole Cardassian stuff happened. Yeah. And so, and this takes place in the 2380s. Mm-hmm. So, like, the Maquis should be fine now? Yeah, I feel like that they they're not needed in a way, but I mean we don't don't exactly know what the Cardassian politics are right now. True. Also, like I wonder if like Maki is kind of used as like a catch-all for liberals in this universe, oh, like, yeah. like Antifa. Yeah. Like, oh, sounds like oh, I heard those Antifa are like doing riots. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, shut up. Yeah, it's just like yeah, it's just like a throwback line that they just. Which Just makes have. me think the Maki are right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So she refuses, uh, Mariner refuses this outcome, the Delta Shift uh, breaking in, reprogramming, getting all the rooms, and says that they will beat them at their own game, hoping to access the terminals first. Unwilling to let them get access to the room so easily, they all agree to the task, um, Tendi saying she always wanted to explore an ethical gray area, and Mariner saying they'll gray area the shit out of the Delta Shift, which I thought was pretty, <laughs> yeah, pretty decent line. The Cerritos rendezvous with a ship called the Dove, uh, which is like a, mm-hmm. a spa ship, like a retreat for for the stressed out. And Freeman takes the engineers over, where they are greeted immediately by an Edosian named Taz, declaring her mission to be their relaxation. Now Taz has three arms, mm-hmm. and um, but only three fingers on each arm. And I I, I want to ask you what what would you how how would you request she do your happy ending <laughs> or a, per, a person of her species if they if they were giving you a massage and they're like would you like a happy ending mm. like well, how would you say yes here's what i want you to here's here's what you can do with those three <laughs> hands to best to to make me just like squirt mcgurt you know what i'm saying to make me to make you like a fucking gogurt and you can just like <laughs> go like <laughs> and it's just all fucking comes out like a that's what they, I would, I would, I would, I would say just freestyle it because I'm sure, because I'm sure like, because like I can't conceptualize like a as, a, as, as a, as a two handed person, I can't conceptualize how I would utilize a third hand. Why I mean, not? Not, well, not having grown up with one. So I feel like it's like a, <laughs> like, I feel that a person with a third hand would have like a whole routine that they have and that, you know, and, and they're probably experts. So I'd just be like. Like whatever I say would just be like baby stuff. But like it would just be like amateur hour. They'd be like, uh, okay, yeah. I mean, but but, <laughs> but you're a human and you're foreign to them, so they don't have a concept uh, exactly well, of, she, uh, she, of your of your like anatomy, just as you mm, don't have a concept of theirs. So like, oh yeah, I'm talking about like you you were doing a Riker <laughs> situation here. You were you were doing a first literal a literal first contact here. Well, this this person is the professional in the head of the dove. Right, right, but so yeah, but there's other uh what Edogians here. 
right? Mm. Like there was another one doing a massage in this. And so there's obviously oh, Dojins here to do hand jobs that mm-hmm. aren't the, the head of this. Yeah, I mean I would I, I, I would I would put myself in, in, in the Indosian's hands, so to speak. Put, put myself in the hands of God. <laughs> put myself in the hands Jesus, of God. Jesus take the wheel. Take the wheel. Jesus take the dick. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready to meet you guys. Also, I've like I sometimes have problems telling people how to do their job. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. How about you, Britt? That would, that would be your command. I mean, so you obviously have one hand for the shaft, mm-hmm. but I also say one hand just for the head. Okay. Right? Yeah. And also, third hand, <laughs> reach around, prostate baby. Oh, there you go. Maybe like a, a gooch massage, but also a <laughs> prostate, but a reach around. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I feel that would also like put you right to sleep afterwards. Oh, 100%. Like a a baby. Like I'd start sucking on my thumb right after I came. Oh, and then she picks you up since she's really tall, too, and just carries you. Yeah. (laughs) Tucks you in. I'm into into that. I'm into that 100%. Um, Yeah. So having mastered the science behind (laughs) relaxation, Taz gives uh, the crew some lemonade and wristbands designed to monitor their tension levels and stress levels. And they all glow yellow to indicate moderate stress. It's Toss, kind of like mood rings. Yeah, I, that's what I thought too. I'm yeah. like, that's the cool technology that's not from the 60s. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Toz then gives them a tour of the available facilities, which include a pay, playpen of puppies, uh, a lot of them animatronic for some reason. Uh, <laughs> oh, were they? I missed that. Some of them were. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I, but, would, I would definitely spend time in that area. That would be fun. That would be fun. <laughs> um, mud baths with mud from Teller Prime and some wrecking rooms with a Klingon mm. uh, who's taking some stuff out. And uh, Taz is like, uh, yeah, his uh, his time has actually been up for a while, but we're afraid to tell him. <laughs> and he, he throws like a sword into the window. Yeah, he's, he had a Mokleth. Mokleth. Yeah, mo- Mokleth. Sort of, sort of what? What does Mok mean? Because well, Batleth is like sort of honor, right? Yeah, sort of honor. What's what's Mok? What's Mokleth? We're looking up a Klingon word. We're being experts on the Klingon song. In the Klingon dictionary. Ooh, big fat Klingon dictionary. It should come with two dictionaries. Am I right? <laughs> Let's see, Maj. Mach. Ma. Maj. Maj. Qua. No mock. Bummer. M A K or M A Q? Oh, uh, there's uh, there's Maj Q, which is well done, very good. Oh, maybe it's a well done sword. Or a good sword. Or Mach. Very or, nice sword. Or, or Mach, Mach M A C H is B small. Okay, small sword maybe that makes sense. Oh, yeah, yeah that ma- I can see that. Yeah, yeah, because it's a smaller, yeah. yeah, smaller version. Okay, yeah. I think we just solved that small sword. Hell yeah, we did it, baby. <laughs> Close down the podcast. We we contributed something. Yeah, we figured out Bothleth and Mockleth, so we've done it, <laughs> folks. Um, so Taz then gives the crew a tour of the available. Phys- uh, I already said that uh, Freeman is enthusiastic to try to the uh, the many available stations before discovering her engineers are repairing a nearby door instead mm. of actually relaxing. Yeah, Which makes uh, sense. Like when you're in that kind of space headspace, you, all you can do, think about his work. Well, I mean, what an engineer headspace. 
<laughs> engineers are a certain type of people. It's true. I'm sure you work with engineers. I do. I do work with a lot of engineers. Fabricating. Yeah, and just like yeah, trying to fabricating get... truths that is at your job. <laughs> <laughs> Liar. Trying to get them to fix things for me that they never fix. Yeah, yeah but, well, but we have a good relationship. <laughs> yeah. They do the thing with their tongue. No, no, no. Would talk to you? Oh uh, no, they don't. They don't talk to me at all. <laughs> do, that, do that thing with your tongue to me. What thing? Have a conversation. There's actually some days I don't even speak at work. Cool. <laughs> I just come in and just do ten hours of welding and don't say a single word to anyone. I don't speak like ever at work. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I just like do shit around here, listening to shit with my headphones in mm-hmm. at my own leisure. <laughs> yeah. Take a break, jerk off, <laughs> go back to work, clean some shit, make eat, it, make eat, it, make this place smell nice, eat, jerk off, <laughs> place a light bulb, mm-hmm. jerk off again. This time with the prostate thing. <laughs> yeah. So back, um, back on the Cerritos, Boimler is reviewing Delta Shift's route to the terminals and finds a more direct route that they can use to get the, to the terminal first uh, to reprogram it to make them win the rooms, despite a few tight fits. They approach the holodeck to start their shortcut, only to find it in use by Dr. Tana. Short on time, they enter, hoping to stay out of sight, and enter a bank, and Boimler calls it a bonk, <laughs> mm-hmm. I think. Oh, yeah, people used to keep their money in here. A bonk. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, um, Mariner makes a funny joke, like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'd like to uh, make a withdrawal of some useless uh, paper <laughs> with no intrinsic value, see? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which was pretty fun. Um as they uh, go around the program, uh, Tiana fires a weapon in the air, scaring the holograms. Tana and Shax are, uh, enter the room in the midst of playing out a hologram as bank robbers reminiscent of Bonnie and Clyde. And you pointed out, this mm-hmm. is totally right, that it's like another, another time, and this happens all the time in Star mm-hmm. Trek, of two aliens, two people who... <laughs> did not grow up on Earth, have no idea what Earth culture is, mm-hmm. doing a reenactment of Bonnie and Clyde, which is a, a a reference from Earth from the 1950s, which I hope doesn't exist. Or 1940s. 40s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a, a 30s, universal yeah. reference that is still kind of universal reference in mm-hmm. our culture. Like, it doesn't have the cultural cachet that it used to have. Yeah. Um, you know, like Bonnie and Clyde was like, I, I remember in the 90s, like a ubiquitous term. Yeah, because there was... Um, uh, there was, was that movie, movie by um fucking uh the guy who was Bullworth. What what's his um, name? Um God, it was just at the tip of my tongue because I was about to say it. Yeah, yeah, he but was he also like, Dick Tracy. Yeah, um, um but he he produced the movie and so mm-hmm. like he didn't do anything for years and apparently like he made so much money on that film he never had to work again and all he did was like fuck everybody in Hollywood. <laughs> like every single woman in Hollywood got fucked by that guy. Hell yeah, yeah, he dated Madonna. Uh he, yeah. he dated every he fucked yeah. everybody in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, which good you know him. what? Yeah, good for Hang Dong. Like, yeah, yeah. He, he was he was Real Dick Tracying. Yeah, he was Dick Tracing <laughs> around. Yeah, I love that shit. Like, go go you. I and we still don't remember his name. I just know his life story apparently. Warren Warren Beatty. Warren Beatty. There you go. God, thank God. Thank you. <laughs> it was at the tip of my tongue, and I got. I was like, oh. So yeah, what's, he, um, what's he up to? Is he is he still alive? Probably I think, is. I think he's. I don't know. Yeah. Probably still fucking if he is. Uh, let's hope so. With he's like he has to inject his dick at this point, but he's still got like a room full of willing women. Uh, good for him. Yeah, good for him. good for Beatty. 
Beatty and the Warren Bat. <laughs> All right. Uh, so they uh, quickly come under fire by the law enforcement of the program and engage in a firefight while Mariner, Boimler, and Tendy try to sneak out of the access panel and uh, duck behind a table um, and uh, find the access panel they need to enter. In the midst of the shootout, Tana deactivates the safety protocols and Shax pauses the program in concern. The two engage in a small argument as Shax expresses concern that Tana has never showed concern for his feelings in their relationship, uh, but she wants to do their usual routine. Mm-mm. They shoot the feds and have <laughs> sex on the counter in front of the hostages, which was so fucking awesome. It was just a very <laughs> funny line. I got yeah. a great laugh out of that. <laughs> I like, I like, I, I don't love like the silly zany humor mm-hmm. in the fucking show, mm-hmm. but when they do it in the holodeck, it makes sense. Yeah. Because stuff is silly and zany and dumb in the holodeck and can be. But also, you, I kind of wonder, like, like it's it's almost like a Westworld type situation because like we've established that like holograms are have sentience and they're considered people at this point. True. And so we're still doing programs where we're shooting and killing them. Yeah, but these are programs without sentience because they have holograms that do have mm. sentience and those that don't. I think. Mm. Because I, I think the, the hologram to, like, set the standard of a sentient hologram was EMH, the doctor. Yeah. And that was only... The, he only, like, really had established sentience in, like, uh, season seven mm-hmm. of of the show. He only had his Measure of a Man episode in season seven. So. Yeah. Still feel it's, like, a kind of, like, that's a... I think that's a pretty ethical gray area where it's, like, like, are we... Are they, ki- are they still killing... Um, uh, sentient light, uh, well, sentient artificial life that can feel, feel yeah. pain and. I mean, it's, die. you know, it's like the do they have a preference? It's the yeah. consider the lobster mm-hmm. argument. Like, you know, the lobster is trying to crawl away from the boiling water that obviously shows a preference. And, you yeah. know, so the hologram is like trying to not get shot mm-hmm. that obviously dictates and shows a preference. And if we look upon culture and things in a material preferential light like we see like everything basically is a colonization of something else mm-hmm. everything is a culture dominating something with their preference over mm-hmm. something else um you know which just uh uh well, I, I don't know where we can go with that <laughs> that's too big of a conversation for this dumbass yeah. star trek podcast yeah we're yeah just like still have these um holograms kind of enslaved and yeah, and just killing them over and over and over again. Yeah, I mean, do because like, yeah, do they have like holograms mining shit and whatever? Because like, yeah. I think they they briefly touched on that. Yeah, because like, they sto- they, I think stuff. they stopped um, using holograms for like the mining thing after yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. It does bring up a real ethical greater. <laughs> like, yeah, because I mean, obviously we can't like abuse androids and stuff because they're sentient. Mm-hmm. But like, how are holograms really any different? They are just being processed in you know, displayed in a different way. Yeah. Perhaps they don't have a physical entity that can necessarily be harmed. Mm. But regardless of that, like, I don't know. That's, that's, yeah. And I guess that's like the same, like, I guess they're, like um, they can't feel pain. Right. I guess their awareness and life doesn't actually end when they get killed in the light and, and the hologram and the, in the holodeck. So that's true. Cause they can just be regenerated or they can yeah. be restored. And so, so that brings up in like, an, yeah, I guess like, huh, yeah, that is a interesting ethical <laughs> consideration. 
Yeah, just also like whether or not they can act genuinely consent to the sex that they have in the holodeck as well. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah. So absolutely. Not. <laughs> the answer is no. It's all hollow rape. Yeah. So yeah, that's pretty dark. Very dark. <laughs> yeah. Like uh yeah, but then as Riker, he said Riker has a lot to answer. He does. Like Riker, maybe, like the rape of Nan King ain't got nothing on Riker. No. Yeah, Riker in the holodeck, like that man. The that man's numbers a menace. don't even stack up. It's, yeah, but then again, as you said, it could there could be, yeah, like the sentient. But it's hard, you know. You don't know. You never know. There could be like a sentient, and then just like a equivalent to just a you know a t uh, a video game. Yeah, but who knows where the, where the lines drawn? Well, <laughs> I mean, you draw where you want to, I guess. Yeah. Riker just doesn't think about it and i mean he but he doesn't think about it until he has to come and yeah. the moment he has to come he's like you're all real <laughs> you're all real you're all real oh, you don't want this and you're all real and then you're kind of just left with like god what do they really think about me holodeck the holograms <laughs> yeah what are the i mean you know yeah, they get into that on some episodes, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like the, the holograms with sentience, like, you know, your Moriarty, which, which yeah. had to have been the first hologram with sentience, I guess. So I yeah. guess, yeah, the, before the doctor, I guess he mm-hmm. kind of... And the, and then also then his uh, wife, because then, like... Um, right, right, right. But then, like, well, that's also fucked up, because then they just trap them in a in a simulation of real life, and then just, like, forget about them forever. But Yeah, but, I mean, is, <laughs> is it... I mean... I, my parents did that to me. Your parents did that to <laughs> yeah. you. Like, is that unfair? Yes. yes. <laughs> did, I, did I ask them to do that for me? No. no. Would I prefer to live on a starship? Yes. So, you know what? <laughs> Fuck you, mom and dad. I guess that's the lesson of this episode. I actually want Moriarty to be the main villain of Picard season three. That would f- <laughs> honestly fuck so hard. Yeah. Like, if they did that, I would be fucking blown away. So they said that they're... Uh, it was heavily in uh, Picard season three has been heavily inspired by the wrath of Khan. Mm. Uh, and it's bringing, oh. it's bringing back an old new villain. They said Moriarty, it could be Moriarty. And uh, <laughs> it starts when the Titan has to answer a distress call from Dr. Crusher, I think mm. way out on the edge of like the uh, alpha quadrant or something. So w- with those elements combined, but also like, Someone, I think it was like Nicholas Myers or something, mentioned it. It was maybe gonna be like something tied into DS Nine, which would not be Moriarty. Mm. Um, oh well, but Moriarty could be fucking sick if they used that. That'd be sick <laughs> yeah. as hell. Huh? It would be even funnier if they just continued to forget about him. Like, oh yeah, he's <laughs> he's living a lie somewhere on on a on a little on a little tiny pad. <laughs> that would be, I mean, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. So, uh, Shaq protests. Um, so uh, they're they're in the hologram. They're gonna have sex on the counter and uh, uh, in front of the hostages. Um, Shaq protests, and Tana says he loves crime play, which was also funny. Yeah, that was funny. Uh, overhearing far more than they wish to hear, Mariner and Tendi quickly open the panel to get out, but not before hearing that Diane is Tana's kinky sex name. <laughs> uh, Tana then decides to share a secret with Shax to turn him on that she would ever never tell anyone else. How she lost her tail, mm-hmm. which uh, reinvigorates Shaq's excitement and gets him <laughs> horny, <laughs> bajorny, if you know. 
do I make you Bajorni, baby? God, I'm writing that down. One sec. Uh, do you? Loney baby, shut up. <laughs> it's not weird, Al. My bajorny. My bajorin. Oh, my little rigid nose. Rigid nose. Come on, do a terrorism, my bajorin. <laughs> I think you just I think you just wrote the new opening song. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's actually kind of fun. Uh, <laughs> I'll look into it. I can I can definitely yeah. actually like if I practice it, do a fun weird owl. Like a, yeah. it's a nasally voice, nasally voice. It'll, it's a nasally annoying voice. <laughs> and and plus, like the weird owl movie is coming out soon. So yeah, that's hell yeah. We yeah, like looking it. forward to that. So, um, Mariner, Boimler, and Tendy continued to crawl through the Jeffrey t- tubes towards the terminals. While the journey is a bit tedious. The three are excited at the prospect of finally having their very own private quarters, as well as seeing parts of the ship that are rarely seen by other officers, especially ones in lower decks. Mm. They come upon a swamp in the ship, <laughs> and Tendi notes that they are right under the hydrophonics bay, and that it aids both in biomedical research and also for fans of growing flowers. Mariner mm. asks aloud, uh, what kind of weirdo would grow flowers? <laughs> and of course, it's uh, Kayshawn, the Temerian. Mm-hmm. And he's saying some very Darmok and Jalad things to the flowers, mm-hmm. which is very kind of cute. Yeah, like my mistress throat slit or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, they stumble upon a Temerian deferin root, which can grow without water as long as there are high levels of nitrous oxide. <laughs> so it would grow really well at a fish concert, I think. Hells yeah. Hell yeah, baby. <laughs> uh, Boimler is concerned about how safe it is to be breathing in such an environment. Tindy notes how Orions are immune to hallucinogenic properties, which must mm. suck for fucking Orions. Yeah. Like, imagine life without, like, mushrooms or acid or, uh, mm. uh, you know delusional hallucinations about your grandeur and place in the world. Yeah. They haven't suffered ego death. Yeah. That, <laughs> yeah. That sucks. Uh, but they hallucinate as oxygen begins to lower as Mariner and Boimler struggle. Mariner seeing Boimler as a sea creature and him seeing her arms as super long. Uh, Tendi guides them both away from the plants and out of the swamp as like a little like uh, creature. Mm-hmm. Uh, helping them snap out of their I think she's like but, a starfish or something. Yeah, so, something uh, like a floating star. Right. Yeah. Uh, Mariner apologizes for hallucinating uh, and thinking she was in an egg. <laughs> and uh, Tendi apologizes for making her hatch. <laughs> uh, which is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. On the Dove, Freeman has just finished a relaxing, uh, relaxing bath in a Tellarite mud and is checking in on the engineers who are in the midst of raking in a sand garden. Surprised they didn't do any of the the higher and the fewer type references to the. That's a good point. Yeah, because like I well they had the mud baths, but yeah, fun to have like the where weird little. <laughs> it's a deep reference. I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, a lot of these different. Yeah, there's deep, there's yeah. some there's some deep cuts. They're, They're all deep, deep cuts. <laughs> so Freeman is pleased to see the engineers relaxing uh, before she realizes that the engineers have made a design schematic in the sand that they believe will improve the Cerritos engine efficiency by 0.5%, which she should be really 
happy about 0.5% on any energy efficiency, especially for like an established thing that's already running is crazy. Yeah. Like imagine if someone said like, I'm going to take your, your car and give it like, you know, a little better gas mileage. Like I'd say, yeah. Plus at the power out, the power usage they're having like 0.5% of that is a huge amount. Yeah. That's like emergency (laughs) systems and shit. Like Mm -hmm. they could do so much shit with like 0.5 and they should go, they could go faster. They could like literally like, that's like all of ship systems except for like shields and warp. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's crazy Um, at any time. So I don't know if you ever used any of those like little sand things. Mm-hmm. It is fun to just draw little designs in it, so yes, yeah. it's Zen, relaxing. Zen, Zen Garden, yeah, Zen Garden, yeah. yeah. So like, yeah, I mean, just let them have their fun, like they're they're yeah. drawing in there. Uh, Way better than Sound Garden, yeah, <laughs> Sound Garden. <laughs> yeah. uh, ooh, that, that you know uh, that makes me wonder: is um, uh, Spoon Man by Sound Garden? <laughs> Spoon a, Man, yeah, is that yeah, is that about uh, fucking um, uh, Garrick because he has the spoon on his head? Oh uh, yeah. Spoonhead. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There's yeah. our new opening. Song. There you go. <laughs> uh, so even Ensign Meredith, uh, the engineer, is sneaking in a project while getting a massage by uh, one of the three-handed creatures. Um, baffled by, so what do you think she asked for for the happy ending? Oh, I can only like, like one one hand on the clit, <laughs> one hand up the pussy, one hand in the butthole. Yeah, that sounds that sounds agreeable. Yeah, or just like fingering the butthole. <laughs> Because there's only three fingers on a hand, so like, I mean, a fisting is like a lot. I think a lot less extreme than a human fisting. I could imagine so, yeah. Yeah, and it's also like with three fingers, it's a lot more of like a triangular thing. So you kind of got more of a butt plug kind of. You can make more of a triangular butt plug kind of design with your Mm. fingers. (laughs) Um, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, like. That you know, growing up with three arms, like it, it opens your mind to different possibilities. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you can imagine, right? Yeah, I mean, you've 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 had a lonely night or two where you've <laughs> thought about this before, right? I mean, I've definitely like thought it'd be really cool, you know, playing Mortal Kombat and having four arms like Goro. Yeah, Goro. Oh, imagine what <laughs> Goro could do to your butthole, man. Holy shit. Finish him. <laughs> oh, I already finished. I can't come anymore. I'll see about that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, on Cerritos, Mariner, Boimler, and Tendi are all a bit lost in the Jeffries tubes, as recent retrofits have made their map a little bit confusing. But they come upon an open room where gravity is significantly lower. Mm. They jump around and enjoy the lower gravity environment, though they know they can't goof around too long if they hope to beat the Delta Shift. Mm-hmm. Over on the bridge, Shax is out of the holodeck. Uh, he already came. <laughs> we didn't. We didn't get to see him come, which kind of disappoints me. This is TV fourteen. We could at least they can at least like show his face. <laughs> I think I bet he does a good come. Who do you think is the best like come face? The best ugly come on the ship. Um. Hmm. I think Mr. Dr. Megaloo. <laughs> oh, yeah. Definitely a bird coming. Yeah, they're already kind of weird. They just, like, flap their wings and go, ah! Yeah. Yeah, watching birds mate <laughs> is weird. Like, some birds will, like, mate in the air. And, like, yeah. fall down to earth as they're fucking, <laughs> which is, like, some high-stakes 
fucking like holy shit yeah it's like chicken but to a whole other level oh yeah like i think <laughs> eagles are one of the ones to do it and it's like that's the only way they can get off is the thrill of like mm. yeah it's like getting a blow job they're like sorry honey the only way i can come anymore is if i'm uh driving off a cliff and you have to fucking suck me off and i will come right before we hit the cliff and i will hit the brakes we'll, <laughs> we'll be fine it's just the only way i can come is that out. why eagles are endangered probably mm. that um, makes sense like they just keep killing themselves they're kind of like pandas where yeah, they just don't know how to fuck <laughs> yeah. so here's, here's something super interesting i don't know if you heard about this it was actually kind of reported recently i think mm-hmm. but they've uh pandas are like back on the uptake again they're Hells still yeah. endangered but like Pandas are doing really well in a lot of zoos, and they're actually finding a lot of pandas. The mating couples that they're getting are finally mating, whereas like back in like the 90s and early 2000s, they mm-hmm. were having a lot of trouble with it. But a lot of them are, uh, the mating pairs are actively mating often now hmm. because they're showing them panda porn. <laughs> they've, they've taken a lot of videos of like pandas having sex with each other, hmm. and they will show these videos on big projector screens to the other pandas, and the pandas get horny as fuck, and they do a they do a fuck. Hmm. They do a fuck. It's interesting that they can see. Well, I guess they, that makes sense that they recognize themselves. Yeah, enough. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, good for them. Like you know, we I guess we finally cracked the case on how we're going to get more pandas. Right. And I wonder if that's why. Like, I wonder if that's why they weren't mating because they need porn. And, like, since there's so they few had, of them. And they had, like, an ancient, like. Well, I that, think they would watch each other. No, I got it. I, I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm so, well, yeah, there, there was that. But I also got this, too. That's what cave drawings were all about. Oh. See, ancient man was ancient actually helping knew. the pandas. They, well, they were making porn for them, but mm-hmm. also making porn. I mean, that's what ancient cave drawings are. They're obviously, none of them are wearing clothes. Mm-hmm. It's obviously pornography. Yeah. It's the, just the oldest form of pornography. Oh god, they were doing hentai. <laughs> <laughs> Caveman hentai. It's like it's like early hentai. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hentai BC. It's like, hmm, we we haven't discovered what why why this why this one cave drawing, uh, this one man has tentacles for arms. <laughs> <laughs> this man looks very similar to uh a modern game day character <laughs> uh, video game character Sonic. Why is that? <laughs> Super strange. Why does this look like a Japanese schoolgirl? <laughs> <laughs> Japan didn't even exist back then. <laughs> yeah. um, so, well, our early hentai kings. Yeah. Uh, so on the bridge, Shax detects an asteroid cluster approaching the ship. Ransom orders for power to be rerouted to the deflector dish to protect the ship. Back in the low gravity room, a power device powers on, and suddenly gravity increases dramatically as the walls begin to spin rapidly. Boimler is caught in the gravity well. It's kind of like that. Um, have you ever been on one of those like uh, those um rides at the, at a uh, at uh? Oh yeah, the thing that where you that like pins you to the wall mm-hmm. and you can climb up. Yeah, yeah. that really reminded me of the I thought... daddy machine that <laughs> pins you to the wall. <laughs> Choke me harder, daddy. What? What? Uh, can you make the ride go? Any yeah, faster? aren't they aren't they called gravitrons? Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, those things were fun as fuck. Do they still even have them anymore? Sure, I'm sure they do in disreputable places. Carney's going to carn. Well, the Washington State Fair is going on right now. Is it? I think so, yeah. Do you want to go to the State Fair? Yeah, I'm free tomorrow. Is it right now? Yeah, I think so. I'm, I'm doing a couple of things tomorrow, but if I get done early, we should go to the fair in Jones. Yeah. I'm dumb as hell. I'd be ignorant as fuck. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I should look into that. Yeah, see if I it's still going on. Up, yeah, because I mean, it's yeah, it's your it's your way, right? It's down in Puyallup, I think. I think so. Yeah. Fun, 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 fun. So, this scene. Um, thinking fast, Mariner and Tendy strip out of their uniforms into their underwear and make a tether with them to anchor themselves, securing themselves. Such fan service. Tendy manages to reach out and grab Boimler's hair, and Mariner pulls them both in. And they gasp, still in their underwear now. <laughs> these these are, like, the two characters that all of the weird people on Star Trek Twitter, like, masturbate to. Mm-hmm. Specifically Mariner and Tendy. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, I... I yeah, this it was so very writer, intentional to give writer, him a reason. The writer the knew exactly what he was doing, and he's he's like, uh, "I'm going to write the most watched episode of the show. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm going to literally write the most watched clip online of the show right now." Yeah, and after after the episode, I looked up uh, looked it up on Internet Movie Database to see any cool facts or something, or like to see who just did the voices. The guest stars, and I was like, "Oh, yeah, the, the picture of them in the underwear is the first thing you see." <laughs> Which, of course, like a, a fan put up, right? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I don't think Paramount's like, "Yeah, this is this." Well, maybe, maybe Paramount's like, "Yeah, this is the one. This is gonna be. This is gonna get all oh, yeah, the they, weird." They, they dudes. knew what they knew what they were doing. Right, and we, we know that, like, oh God, there's gonna be at least one uh, profile pic I see on and, tr- on Twitter of this next week. And, and as you're probably going to get to, we also have a foot scene later on in the episode. Yes, we do. I, so, actually, I actually didn't note that because, like, sometimes the feet scenes seem innocuous. Yeah. They're ne- feet scenes are never innocuous. <laughs> and it's, it's something I never think of because, like, I grew I grew up in, like, I just remember, like, my Uncle Bill always wanting a foot rub. But because, <laughs> it's because, like, my family has, like, no, as you can see, like, no arch to their feet whatsoever. Oh, yeah, yeah. I have completely flat, flat feet. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, my family, like, you know, and, and we're also very tall people. And mm-hmm. my uncle was even taller than me, had even bigger feet than me. Holy shit. With the same no arch. And so he always wanted a foot rub. And so I'm, like... You know, that's that's just a thing people mm-hmm. do, and but but like going yeah, you didn't life, develop like a people. People are like everything on film, like yeah, that's the foot fetish thing, and I'm like yeah, yeah. Is is it is is it like in in Quentin Tarantino's thing, and then and then someone's like, hey, he's got feet here, 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 and here, and I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Once you note it, like yeah, like when you watch it, like when you're younger, like the feet scenes are just kind of like Innocent. pass over you. Yeah. <laughs> but then like you start to see like the true intention of them and you're just like uh, yeah, yeah. Yep. and then thinly veiled fetish mm-hmm. um, yeah they, they're just giving those feet away for free in this episode they didn't even oh, try to blur them out or anything like fucking get an only fans <laughs> guy come on animators <laughs> of fucking lower decks yeah so we had underwear scenes oh, foot God. scenes we hate that anyway moving on <laughs> on the dove freeman and the engineers are all enjoying a pedicure foot scene yep yep just said it, yeah and has uh seemingly finally helped in erasing their stress levels freeman is pleased with what she sees asking rutherford if he's enjoying himself to which he replies that he is uh, Taz tells him that he would love uh, an upcoming manicure, to which he nervously tries to decline, but she insists, saying it's like a petty for your hand toes. Yeah, was... they're, they're trying to make that connection, that sexual connection between hands and feet. Right. Or feet and hands. They're trying to pass, yeah, you know. My, yeah, like uh, like, <laughs> like the fucking episode of Voyager where fucking Kess has to get a ceremonial foot rub from the doctor. <laughs> that, like, haunts my dreams. I'm just like, every time I think about him, I'm like, 
dude, like whoever wrote that episode, Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, yeah, he needs to quit <laughs> and be Quentin Tarantino and cutting that out. Yeah, I mean, wasn't that a whole thing where Quentin Tarantino wanted to direct his own uh, Star Trek movie? Yeah, and uh, like, but his idea I thought was kind of stupid. It was going to take place entirely on the holodeck. Yeah. <laughs> could be okay. But... Yeah, could... So anyway, as um, uh, so as uh, we're getting the mani pedis, yeah. Uh, Taz discovers that the engineers have all slipped cucumber slices underneath their wristbands blocking the sensors that monitor their stress levels and making an artificial green. While they try to explain that they are concerned that their own stress was causing further stress, Freeman gets infuriated that they engineered such a workaround in violation of her orders. As she yells at them, her own wristband jumps from yellow, then to red, and then to black. Mm-hmm. Alarmed at this, Taz realizes that they've been treating the wrong patient and that Freeman is the one in need of the stress therapy and has her taken away for intensive treatment. She asks if Freeman has been possessed by any ancient artifacts recently, and Philip <laughs> says maybe a couple. Uh, Taz tells them that as Freeman has been repressing months' worth of stress, she will be sent to Earth for a full medical diagnostic if she doesn't respond well to their treatment there. Phillips tries to object to taking Freeman away, but Taz tells him that all of this could have been avoided had the engineer simply accepted their stress treatments in the first place before leaving angrily. Realizing that she's correct, Phillips tells his crew that they need to figure out a way that they can relax more, and Rutherford comes up with an idea, saying he thinks he knows what they shouldn't do. Mm. Back on the Cerritos, Mariner, Boimler, and Tendi have finally come upon a vent that will give them direct access to the terminal they need to reprogram, but as the vent opens only once every hour for 10 seconds, they have to wait for it to open. As they think about what they might say to invite others into their room, the members of Delta Shift fall into the room, much to their surprise. The two groups confront each other about their schemes, which is the same scheme, and the two talk about all the troubling obstacles they had to encounter to get where they are, and they begin to laugh at the various misadventures they encountered. Time passes, and as the two groups continue to bond, talking about how Ransom was once turned into a caveman and locked in the cafeteria, wherein he made a wife out of churros that he still keeps to this day, which is why his office, perhaps, always smells like cinnamon. I like that he has very, like, uh, similar experiences to Riker. Yeah, like, he's, right. he's kind of like a discount Riker. Right? Yeah. Like, he's, he's like a more incompetent Riker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that Riker was turned into the caveman. That was really funny. Indeed. <laughs> but I, don't, yeah, I was really hoping to see that Shura wife. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I hope he like takes over, or it takes over, it becomes sentient, takes over, and makes, the, uh, <laughs> makes it the USS Churritos. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, look what this guy's got jokes. Give him a right job. This guy's got jokes. Um, so yeah, we need like we need like a um intervention from Q or something to to give uh the churro yeah, wife sentence. Q, sentience. He's been on an episode, yeah. He's been on an episode, yeah. yeah. Yeah, just imbue it with like uh with intelligence and that would rule. That would rule. <laughs> um, so the both teams realize that despite their rivalry, they are not that different even finding it a shame that when the vent eventually opens, they will be back to being rivals as usual. Mariner suggests that once the vent opens, they could all put their names into the lottery, as it would be an even split, and that no matter who wins, they would all get new friends. 
However, as they discuss this, one of the Delta Shift members gets the vent open, and they all rush out immediately, laughing as they leave Mariner, Boimler, and Tendi behind in their dust. Freeman is in the puppy play den above the dove, but despite the abundance of puppies and a couple rabbits around her, she is incredibly agitated. Out of ideas, Taz lights a vape and decides <laughs> to tell Starfleet to have Freeman taken to Earth, but Rutherford and Billups suddenly rush in. Taz tries to object to them, but Billups claims they have found a way to let go of their stress, and they bring in a device that they constructed with one of Taz's turbo lifts. Freeman isn't thrilled that they continue to build and engineer despite her orders, but Billups says that they get stress relief by engineering solutions to their problems and that there's no better way for stress relief for them and invites her to use their machine. Rutherford claims that 10 seconds alone in the machine will uh, equate an entire month spent on Dove and Freeman decides to try it. They shut her in and activate the machine for a few seconds and... Even they open again. Uh, when they open again, she emerges, feeling incredible and fully rested. She claims the experience was better than a thousand massages, and that she feels like a new woman. So, like, gave her a prostate massage. Probably gives <laughs> dudes like clitoral orgasms. Hmm. Yeah, just gives you like the the opposite or craziest orgasm. Right? <laughs> um, Taz uh, indeed confirms that her stress levels have returned to their baseline, and notes that. With one of these machines on every starship, there would no longer be a need for Dove. <laughs> Satisfied, Freeman takes the engineers back to the Cerritos. As they leave, Taz demands her assistant get rid of the machine and burn any evidence of it. And I, you know what? I kind of like that in a way. Yeah, yeah it makes because sense. Because you should be able to take time off and not just – in like, you know, like there is something kind of like dystopian about a um, a machine that gives you – Rest in 10 seconds so you can be, be able to work again immediately. Right. I hate that idea. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so. you know, just like, I mean, I like the idea of like for anything punitive, like the, you know, the 20 year prison sentence in 15 seconds like mm-hmm. uh, O'Brien had, although punitive yeah. prison sentences in general are a bad idea. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, that's fine. But like doing it the other way fucking sucks. Mm-hmm. Like give people actual time. Like time is the only currency in this world. At this point, mm-hmm. Right. But I have to. But I would admit it would feel really nice to go into something that would just like completely relax you in a couple seconds. True, that would be nice <laughs> to have, and then you could just like get on with your day and whatever. Mm-hmm. Instead of spending all of like your off time trying to relax, finally getting mm-hmm. to sleep, and then waking up just to go back and <laughs> force capitalism to happen into the mine, into the weld mines. Yep, <sighs> into the mind melds. <laughs> into the mind melds. Mind meld mines. Mm-hmm. So on the Cerritos, uh, Mariner, Boimler, and Tendi are frustrated that Delta's shift cheated them out of the lottery. But Boimler quickly realizes that nearby water is actually draining out of their vent. Boimler discovers a drain that might bypass the vent that they were waiting on opening. Both Mariner and Tendi express some concern that he might be wrong, but Boimler decides to be bold, uh, calling himself Bold Boimler, and <laughs> jumps down the vent. Landing safely at the bottom, he calls for them to join him while they express that they need to do something about his new bold attitude. <laughs> uh, Mariner and Tendi join Boimler, and sure enough, they find themselves by a ladder that leads to the terminal. Having beaten the Delta shift, they intend to lock them out of the lottery, but after Boimler accesses the terminal, he discovers that it's not four rooms available on deck one. It's one room available on deck four. Oh, no. Distraught that the only one of them can get the room and unwilling to split the uh, apart from one another they decide to let delta shift go on with their plan deciding 
they deserve to be broken up instead and lose their friends. <laughs> Later on in the, uh, I don't know, mess hall, what do we call that? The cafeteria? cafeteria. Yeah, like... Yeah, they, they call it the cafeteria. Yeah. So later on, the group finds that not only did Delta Shift successfully rig the lottery in their favor, but that all four members who participated will be sharing the one big room together. <laughs> Distraught that they didn't think of sharing the room themselves, Rutherford criticizes Mariner, Boimler, and Tendy for not considering that the one room could have benefited all them, and they didn't even enter him for the prize. Yeah. Even though he asked them to. Uh, he then tells them about a private party that's being held in... Uh, the Delta room later and asks if he can crash it. But the three tired of their misadventure immediately declined joining. <laughs> Over in a corner of the cafeteria, ransom orders 35 churros in an unmarked bag. <laughs> the end. What'd you think? Well, that was a great episode. I liked it a lot. Yeah, it was, it was one of the better episodes I'd say of, I mean, most yeah. of the, most of the jokes were pretty good. Mm -hmm. I liked the camaraderie. Uh, it was all pretty good in universe. Most of the wackiness took place you know, like in in the holodeck and in confines that I was fine with. It didn't mm -hmm. have too much Rick and Morty ness yeah. to it. I did like, yeah, I did like the holodeck was kind of like the inverse of of like of how people usually put themselves in the holodeck situations where they usually make themselves a hero. True. And Shax and Tiana were making themselves like the villains. <laughs> yeah, but that was like their sex thing, and I like yeah. that they totally like recognize that like people are people would only really use the holodecks for like elaborate masturbation. Mm -hmm. and sex fantasies and stuff and the thing that's I, why there is a huge con uh, connection i think with like westworld yeah like I, and, how, and like and how people like in a in a situation where they're completely absolved of morality and judgment mm -hmm. and can do whatever they want just yeah take it to very dark places <laughs> true yeah yeah they could take it to dark places thankfully mm -hmm. they didn't take it super dark they no just took it in a, a kind of funny sexy way yeah but, um one thing I found really weird was they, the, the holodeck program, the Bonnie and Clyde thing was all in black and white. Yeah. Which I didn't think I mentioned, but like, mm -hmm. yeah, that was, that was like, why, yeah. especially since they're aliens who have never like seen an earth movie or anything. Like, why would they care about that? Yeah. Super weird. Yeah. Maybe, they, maybe there were only references um, for that era were old movies and maybe they just thought earth back then was in black and white. <laughs> Maybe. You know, that, that actually makes sense. I like that idea. Yeah, yeah they're just like, oh, that's... Like, without no, a reference, like, I would have thought that, like, things used to exist in black and white. Yeah. Because sure. that's mm -hmm. all the media that exists. Yeah. yeah. So may, uh, maybe they just... And since they... Yeah. Indeed. But I would like... Yeah, I mean, if they... If, just throwing that out there, if, like, in a holodeck thing of, for an alien. Like, I mean, we had... I mean, I think we have seen, like, Worf, you know, use it for, like, Klingon things. Yeah, for and, fighting and shit. Yeah, yeah. and like, um, but yeah. Oh, yeah but, and also the historical reenactments that mm -hmm. fucking Julian and Miles do. But we know that's sex as well. Yeah. <laughs> but also that's that Earth. But like for like aliens, I would like to see them like have try to reenact something from their own past. I think yeah, that would be, be I think, cool. I think yeah. that would be interesting. Yeah, like fucking just Shaq's going in and like blowing up Cardassians. Oh, that shit. would be, be so sick. <laughs> Just, that would have been fun like yeah like or kira naris blowing just, yeah like like, them, them work, it, like killing gold ducat in a million different <laughs> yeah, ways yeah like uh like them working with kira like a, like a hologram kira to set explosives on cardassian <laughs> <laughs> targets and stuff and then yeah. and then they have like their crazy like um uh sex like uh to celebrate after the violence love that love it oh yeah but uh, yeah that's a pretty good episode um, yeah i liked it i'd recommend it uh yeah 
Pretty, yeah, pretty fun. so good, far, good references, yeah. fun stuff. So far, I've liked every episode so far. So it's yeah. been been a decent season so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, that is our new track for the week. And uh, with that, you want to do your Klingon word of the day, Mister Patrick? Hell's yeah! Let's do it. the Klingon word of the day. Today's Klingon word of the day is ha, which translates to let's go. To use it in a sentence, you would say ha, Brandon. Hell yeah. <laughs> or, or um, you know, back in the day uh, little John would have said ha! <laughs> ha! <laughs> we love we love a Klingon little John. Ooh, little, little, yeah, Klingon little John rules. Yeah. Yeah. Should see more of Klingon Little John. How about, how about instead of Little John, Little Saint James? <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, thank you for the Klingon word of the day. With that, uh, do you want to get into our classic episode for the week? Yeah, let's do it. All righty. So um, yeah, we rolled a number last week. I think it was like three hundred twelve. or Three six. I don't remember. Yeah, but uh, uh, the number that in production uh, was an episode of Voyager. So let's get into some Voyager. Voyager, Season 2, Episode 12, Resistance, uh, came out on November 27th, 1995. This one was written by Lisa Klink, who wrote nine episodes of Voyager, one episode of DS9, <laughs> called The Hippocratic Oath. Colonel Klink! Uh, and this one is directed by Winrick Kolbe, who directed uh, episodes of TNG, DS9, Voyager, and Enterprise, as well as being a producer on the original Battlestar Galactica. Hmm. So very, very accomplished. So let's get right into this episode. We open on a man opening a door. And who walks through? None other than Neelix in a pimp's fur coat. <laughs> he was looking pretty good. Oh, yeah. He looked fly as hell, Neelix. <laughs> uh, he slips a mysterious container with a yellow substance in it to Jane his pee. Just, <laughs> yeah, this, this, is, uh, this is it's a urine therapy, Captain. Have you heard of it? Neelix, why is it dry? Why is it powder? <laughs> well, that sounds... That's, that's a Laxian bees. You, you don't pee in a solid, Captain? Um, it's a fine mist that comes out. <laughs> it's a fine powder. Like sand. You know the silica gel you get with a new t-shirt? Um, so, uh, he slips a mysterious container of yellow substance to Janeway, who's also dressed in plain clothes. They're being very mysterious with each other. Janeway scans the container and says that they need the entire thing filled, and they don't have time to haggle over a price. Balana and Tuvok are also there on the away team in disguises, 
Uh, Tuvok looking like he's in a Gap commercial. And <laughs> Tuvok motions over to some masked guards dressed all in black, and they look really cool. Mm-hmm. The guards take notice of them and begin trying to arrest them. So, uh, so they resist. Tuvok shooting one with a phaser, and both Taurus and Janeway beating them with their fisticuffs. The guards eventually get the best of them and incapacitate them, taking Taurus and Tuvok and shooting Janeway. One of the guards takes Janeway's comm badge just as some dude yells, Get away from her! And rushes <laughs> at the guard. Opening credits! Only a minute and 12 seconds here. This is a super yeah. short cold opening. Yeah, it went by like you. You're kind of like, uh, like, uh, gonna set off, set, set off a yeah, course here. And you're just like, what's going on? Like, what's the situation there? Our friends are in here. Like, like. I, I'd say, um, I'd. I could better sum it up by saying, here we go, yo, here we go, yo. Now what? Now what's the scenario? <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. That, that was what I was wondering. Yeah, but we quickly catch up to them, like, okay. So, yeah. so uh, after credits, we open on Chakotay in engineering, looking at the warp core, while Ensign Harry Kim works diligently behind him without recognition or promotion. No. Uh, Ensign Harry Kim asks Chakotay uh, if he has any word on the Tellarium yet, and Chakotay says, not yet and asks how bad it is. Ensign Harry Kim says the antimatter reaction rate is below 12%, and if it drops below 9%, the plasma injectors will lock up and they'll never be able to reinitialize the nacelles. <laughs> Which took me, like, rewinding, like, ten times to write down. I hated it. Uh, Chakotay <laughs> asks for options, and Kim says if they need to decre- decrease their power demands, they should drop the shields. Chakotay doesn't want to leave the ship defenseless, Close to a hostile planet. Ensign Harry Kim says all the other systems are offline and life support is at minimal. So this is their very last option. Uh, I really like this uh, kind of episode of Voyager where they're scrambling for resources. And I feel like they kind of gave up on those episodes in the later seasons. They did. I really like these because... It makes sense. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, like, they're so far from their support system. Yeah, it's like uh, when Battlestar Galactica, that was like mm-hmm. a constant through line in all of the seasons of it mm-hmm. was they were constantly like looking for resources and water and shit on different planets because, yeah you'd use that shit up going through space. Yeah, and they have no way, no uh, support system to refuel or mm-hmm. or uh, go to repair. So, like, it was... I mean, I can, I can understand, like, they, you know, keeping, like, the the um, the idea of Starfleet, you know, intact. You know, they didn't mm-hmm. really, like, change, you know, change, alter themselves aesthetically or, like, or affect their, like, um, ideals at all. Like, they no. pretty, they stayed, like, they did do some stuff that, like, you know, Starfleet would not... <laughs> like let, letting like the Maquis like fucking criminals yeah with them yeah like they they that stuff's troubling but that stuff understand understandable but yeah, it makes mostly sense, they yeah. keep the ideals of Starfleet intact yeah but, they're just surviving but but it would make sense that they would need to do some other th- you know more questionable things for like much needed like repairs and supplies that they can't typically get because they're in a completely different quadrant with stuff with a uh, um like technology that possibly cannot be compatible at all with their own yeah likely it's not compatible. likely not compatible and but you know they make it work regardless and yeah so i like, I like the, that yeah. yeah i like those episodes so chakotay tells ensign harry kim to power down the shields and it helps but only temporarily suddenly neelix calls up to the ship uh telling chakotay that the entire away team besides him was taken prisoner chakotay has his priorities and asks neelix if they got the tellarium he says he has it, and Chakotay has Neelix beam directly to engineering to give them the Tellarium. 
I wish he would have just beamed it out of his hands and just left Neelix <laughs> on the planet. Yeah. We got what we need. Uh, mi- mi- um, Mr. Native American? <laughs> Mr. Indian? Um, hello? And then he just gets shot and like, some people appear with guns and you know, just cuts as you start to hear gunfire. Mi- Mr. Hopi? <laughs> no. Um, Sue? Oh, uh, shit. Um, Chakotay tries to page anybody else on the away team, but no one else is answering. The Telarium restabilizes the ship, uh, and they get back full power. Chakotay asks Neelix what happened, and he's not certain since it all happened so fast and he's so slow. <laughs> Although one thing he is certain is that the kidnapping was perpetrated by the Mokra. Oh. There's a big bad villain here. The Mokra, yep. they're real bad. Yep. Just, an evil-sounding name. And just Nazis. Yeah, basically. Cool Nazis, though. Are they cool Nazis? Were the original Nazis cool? Is that what you're suggesting? <laughs> well, I, don't, I mean, I don't think that's a cool suggestion. <laughs> no, all Nazis are bad. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> uh, Chakotay asks how the Mokra knew they were down there. And Nilix says they must have an informant as they have contacts everywhere. Chakotay asks if Neelix's informant, uh, the guy we saw at the very beginning of the episode, might have been a mole. Mm. He considers it, but says he didn't think he would have made it back if he was. And besides, he's a member of the Alsurian Resistance. Alsurian? Alsurian Resistance. Mm-hmm. And would therefore never help the Mokra. It's also interesting that these, that, like, they have such an iron fist, iron grip on, like, on the life, on the, the Mokra do, on the, on the life of the, of the inhabitants. Mm-hmm. They seem to allow, you know, like, sp- like free space travel, and like they're like, I mean, they didn't ha- like uh this uh the Voyager team didn't have to disguise themselves in any way, so like they're obviously aliens on a planet. No, I mean they were they were behind the moon. Remember in the beginning of the episode? Yeah, but like the but they're obviously aliens that came to the planet, right? So like they like. Clearly, like they allow free interstellar travel to their planet, but then, but then they're very like adamant that they don't leave. Interesting. So, like they yeah, didn't right. they didn't bother to try to like disguise themselves as as locals at all, right? So, like they they stood out as aliens on the planet. So apparently, yeah, you can travel freely around the planet, but not out of the planet. Yeah, interesting. I mean, that could have just been like them just not wanting to put. <laughs> oh yeah, it's <that's laughs> make... a bu- budgetary reasons, but <laughs> yeah, because like the the. The the alien makeup in this, like of course, like the nose ridges in this. It's all like, nose ridges in this episode. Yeah, it's like a weird, funky nose. It's like at the top of the nose. It's like some extra nostrils. And then up there. and then some other weird little thing that comes out. Like, yeah, but like that, clit, but it wasn't nose clit. Yeah, nose clit. Yeah, I was like, ugh, look kind of. <laughs> but yeah, like it wouldn't it wouldn't have been at that that hard for them to blend in in any way. Like it would probably would have been easier if the, for them if they did try to blend in with the locals. Yeah, probably. Yeah, and said like you know they have the Vulcan half Klingon, uh, Terran, yeah. <laughs> um, Talaxian. Yeah, thankfully they didn't take the guy with the face tattoo down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so speaking of face tattoo, Chakotay suggests that maybe uh, they have the resistance under surveillance when Ensign Harry Kim interrupts them, saying they're ready to give the engines a try. Warp engines and full systems come back online. Chakotay tells Ensign Harry Kim, good job, but leaves it there because promotion and recognition is out of the fucking question. Chakotay tells Neelix <laughs> to join him as he thinks it's about time they contacted the Mokra. Mm-hmm. 
Chakotay enters the bridge. And it was at this moment I realized I have no idea what Chakotay's last name is. Do you? No. And then I realized, hey, maybe Chakotay is his last name, and I don't mm-hmm. know his first name. Do you know his first name? Mm-mm. Yeah, I looked it up. Chakotay is his only name. That's what I figured, because uh, he's. He, I don't remember him ever being referenced by any other name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, but, but it's super weird, because, like, I mean, even though it kind of explains his past, and it's, like, vaguely Native American, it's, like, mm-hmm. I mean, you just kind of, like, grow up, grew up on the reservation. People on the reservation have two names. <laughs> Like it, yeah. It, it, yeah. It's it's weird that he only has one name, like Madonna. Maybe he was well, trying to for I like mean, a pop career. I mean, lots of people, like you know Neelix. Yeah. You know. Yeah, Spock. but Neel- <laughs> Neelix is not Terran, and Spock no. is not Terran. All Vulcans have a single name. Yeah. All humans have two names: Catherine Janeway. Not not Tom Prince Paris. Well, he's <laughs> he's from another world. He's the purple one. You know. That's this. true. Cher. I mean, she's beyond life. She lives in a life after love. Oh, yeah, she does. Let's see. Who else? We got lots of people here. One name. Madonna. Madonna. She's she's um, mythical. She's the mother of Jesus. That's true. Jesus. She also had sex. She's the mother of Jesus. Who also Jesus had sex with vanilla of ice. Nazareth. Oh, that's three names. <laughs> that's his three names. Of is his middle name. Nazareth is his last name. Checkmate, dumbass. Damn it. Yeah, you lost. Anyway, speaking of losing, um, back to Neelix. Uh, <laughs> so, um, Chakotay enters the bridge and has Tom Paris bring Voyager out from behind the planet's moon and make orbit with the planet slowly as to not look aggressive. Chakotay asks Neelix what to expect from the Mokra, and Neelix says the Mokra are hostile, aggressive, and have little use for diplomacy, and he wouldn't be surprised if they started shooting immediately, which is some racist ass shit. <laughs> Neelix is such a fucking prick and a racist piece of shit. Like, yeah, why, why Neelix? Like, come on, man. Like, they're just they're people like you and me. You don't have to. They're not a monoculture of like bad people. <laughs> yeah, and, like, and we only get to see one of them in this entire episode. Only one of them talks really. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest are all Syrians or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, um, Chakot- uh, the ship makes orbit around the planet, and the Mokra orbital sensor net picks them up, and they are immediately hailed by some fucking dude. <laughs> uh, the dude says he is the third magistrate Ogress from the Mok- Mokra order, which to me just sounds like a white woman's daily Starbucks order. <laughs> hey, what's uh, the Mokra asks if they're seeking to do business, and Chakotay says they're looking for some crew members on the surface who they've lost contact with. I see, says the Mokra, Augris. Uh, you must not have familiarity with our regulations. I'll send you a full copy for reference, <laughs> which is some funny-ass bureaucratic shit. Uh, mm-hmm. Chakotay says he has reason to believe that his crew members are being detained, and Augris says he'll look into it, and he will contact Voyager shortly. Neelix is immediately skeptical and says Augris is unlike any Mokra he's ever met, and he doesn't believe that he'll help him. Chakotay says they need to pursue any sort of diplomatic path they can take in the situation, 
and has the crew make continuous scans of the surface for the away team. How much experience does Neelix actually have with the Mokra? Right, like, how long did he spend on Mokra? It's like, I mean, the Talaxian homeworld <laughs> can't be anywhere near here because they've been, like... <laughs> like, they go into they go it, into Neelix's quarters and he has, like, all this, all this like, uh, Mokra. He's <laughs> like a Mokra stuff. weave. He has, like, Mokra hentai and shit. He has, like, a, he has, like, a Mokra cap and then, like, a Mokra armband and then it just... <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I spent my away year on Mokra. I just find they're, I just, I'm just attracted to the fashion of, of the Mokra, you know? It's just, you know, I'm not actually a Mokra. Neelix, <laughs> <laughs> you certainly have, like, the, like the, the ancient Mokra leader, like a, like a black and white photo of him. So, so <laughs> this year, though, they've been, they've been traveling for like a year away from Talaxia towards the Alpha Quadrant. Yeah. Like, how at, far did he travel? Yeah. Exactly. Like, Talaxia has to be like way far away and like I mean he might have met a few of them before but only a couple mm-hmm. and he's making judgments about the entire race based on what I believe to be a couple people because I don't think he's ever been to the planet before right he seemed to know his way around he had a contact there so he had been there before which is how did he get there and get out he's not that clever <laughs> like he's fucking Neelix guy like come on yeah he wasn't, yeah. he wasn't like you know maybe a member fame, of the maybe, city in order before. Maybe he was like uh, just this doofus. Maybe ever. there was a political shift or something on the on the planet. Some at some point. That's why he's like, he's not like any Mokra officer I've met. Perhaps, but yeah, we don't know. Like, uh, but it is weird how like because he does have like seems to like pull information out about a lot of people. You he know, just make shit up. <laughs> yeah, of course I know these people. <laughs> uh, talk to them all the time. Um, <laughs> They find out, you know, you know, he's like, you know, questionable is his, his girlfriend's questionable age, like questionable age. What this, is, what, what's your question? Like, how How is this legal? How is this legal? That's the only question I got. Like, <laughs> yeah, like my only question is like, where's her father? Like, <laughs> so down on the planet, Taurus and Tuvok are together in a holding cell. Tuvok advises caution, um, but Taurus says she sees a control circuit by which she might disable the force field for their enclosure. She tries, but gets zapped by the force field. She says if only they knew that Neelix got back to the ship with the Telerium, then at least this ordeal would be worth it. Tuvok regrets he has no such reassurance to offer. Uh, Bolana says they don't even know what happened to the captain, and she might have been killed out there. Mm-hmm. Tuvok admits the possibility, but also the possibility that she's safe back on Voyager. And that if they have insufficient evidence to make either conclusion. Torres asks if that's the Vulcan way of saying hope for the best. Yeah. Elsewhere on the planet, Janeway is passed out somewhere on a bed when she awakens, obviously in pain. Captain Painway, you know. What I'm <laughs> uh, some weird old dude, the one who took the uh, told the Mokra to back off in the opening scene, uh, says Janeway is awake and wonders if she's hungry or thirsty while touching her face creepily. He wonders to himself what he can make, and Janeway asks where she is. Old man doesn't respond, but gives Janeway a thermos of stuff to drink. Would you drink anything like that old man just like gave you like that? No, I mean, I think that's the general rule, like, don't drink anything. Don't drink from the old man's thermos. Yeah, like, don't don't drink from anything you didn't get yourself. 
like or open yourself around strangers. I mean, just, just, this, this this is definitely a stranger danger moment. It's just and like, it's, we should just make a sticker that says that has like the the Voyager com badge on it. Says don't drink from the old man's thermos. <laughs> <laughs> no one would get it. No, don't. I, I like I like don't drink from the old man's thermos. Thing. You know that, and that's. And watch that be like some good information that one day saves your life. Yeah, right. So it's just like one day you'll be in a situation and then it'll be like you'll remember, don't drink from the old man's thermos. <laughs> and it, it could it could save your life. That's Yeah. <laughs> um So she drinks it though, and uh he says that'll make her some soup. Jamie protests, wanting to get back to her crew, but the old man tells her to rest and that everything is all right now. And he says his little girl is home. Ugh. Janeway sighs and makes a face like, "What the <laughs> fuck, man?" Now, this is this is definitely a huge stranger danger moment here. Yeah, like, like okay, offering you something weird to drink. It, if it, if you wake up in an old man's home and he says, "I'm so glad my little girl is home," and you've never met him in your life, you have been kidnapped. She should have hammer punched this motherfucker and ran. <laughs> That's right. She should have kicked him in the balls, done the two handed Gorn punch, yeah, and fu- fucking just it. knocked him the fuck out, and then uh, got out of there right. because she went into from you know from the frying pan into the fire kind of situation. Oh, yeah, from from the Neelix into the even creepier <laughs> old dude somehow. Yeah, like look like this spider just caught himself a couple of flies. <laughs> He brings the gimp out. No. <laughs> no. That's the Tarantino trick we'd need. Though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sometime later, uh, Janeway gets up and says she's very grateful as she begins to walk out. The old man says there's nothing he wouldn't do for his sweet Rolkana. <laughs> her name? Rolkana, daughter. Janeway says her name is Catherine Janeway. The old man says the name is unusual but very pretty. Uh, Janeway states that she's a starship captain and it's imperative she contact her ship. Let's go back real quick. Anyone saying that like your name is pretty? That's just weird now, right? That's like an Mm -hmm. old man pickup line that it's like, oh, I don't have anything in common with you. Instead, I'm going to say your name is attractive. Like, what are you doing? (laughs) Like, shut up up yeah it's i mean people still i mean that it is like a meme you know where it's just like you know wow what a beautiful name for a little girl or something for a lovely girl or but yeah it's like that's fine i guess plus like but like yeah you said her name's Catherine. like it's that's okay name that's fine it's an all right name yeah it's not it's not that pretty maybe on that planet it's pretty because all their names are like ralkana (laughs) um yeah, it's like, my name sucks. That Your name is pretty cool. <laughs> so, uh, Janeway states that she's a starship captain, and it's imperative she contact her ship. The old man gets very excited and tells Janeway to go on, saying that he loves her little stories. She says it's not a fucking story. It's a goddamn <laughs> request, and asks to use his communications equipment. He thinks briefly and says he's not allowed to have communications equipment, as the Mokro won't allow it. And he's such, like, this bumbling, old, doofus-ass character. Like, he reminds me in a way of, like, maybe, like, a Gilligan-type Bob Hope bumbling fucking idiot, but, like, old as hell. Yeah. Like, he's he's Mr. Magoon and <laughs> Gilliganing, and he's, like, he's so goddamn incompetent. I mean, except for in the realm of comedy, as we'll get to. Like, oh, that guy is... I mean... The guy is hilarious. He's so... I, I mean, uh... 
I'm wearing different pants than I was earlier. <laughs> yeah. I've actually, I watched the episode uh, three times, twice by myself. I watched it once a couple nights ago, and that part was so funny, I actually pissed my bed. So yeah. You, I had, had, to, had to, you know, do, do the sheets and everything. Like and I that. noticed when we just did another rewatch, like, I noticed you brought a bucket out. Right. And right. you were, well, you were well, revving so because yourself. Because the second time when I was just doing <laughs> notes on it today, I was sitting in my chair here, and, like, I'm watching the episode. And that scene comes on, and I don't even notice. I just like, mm-hmm. what's something on my socks? And then I realize <laughs> that it's dripping down from my chair. I'm I'm just peeing myself. I'm laughing so hard. Yeah. So this is a fair warning. We're going to get going to issue a bucket warning Definitely. before we get Which into I, the funniest. I, I usually <laughs> only do on my other uh, podcast, <laughs> getting head a bucket cast. Oh my god! Right. But this is a different type of bucket warning. This isn't a bucket yeah. on your head. This is a bucket on the floor. This is a bucket on the floor to catch the insane amount of urine <laughs> I'm spilling everywhere. You're going to be losing control of your bladder because you're and going your to bowels. be you're, in your bowels. You're just going to be doubled over in laughter, just like and, letting loose. And what else? Like your your ducts? I don't know. Yeah, just it's it's probably best just to get into the bathtub. Just yeah. take everything off. Just lay in the bathtub, uh-huh. and because yeah, tr- trigger warning, get in the bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> trigger warning: old man kidnaps the captain. Get in the fucking yeah. bathtub. You're gonna want also. You're put, gonna want to hear about his comedy routine. You're, gonna also, get in the bathtub. you're also gonna want to put down like some plastic with duct tape and just like cover every conceivable surface because oh yeah, make 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 your house like a fucking uh, Dexter room. <laughs> yeah, Dexter you know? room. It's got to be the Dexter room. So you yeah. can just like afterwards, you can just like. Either just like roll that up and then like push it out or just set it afire. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I hope, if, or you know what? If you have really good like fire insurance, mm. that's fine. Just like pee everywhere, set the house on fire, bring your house down. Up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We love those. Mm. You know, I'm not encouraging insurance fraud on this podcast, but <laughs> I'm not encouraging it. I'm ordering it. Yeah. yeah you know what? <laughs> I, I'm actually, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say I am encouraging it. I think it's pretty yeah. fucking cool. Insurance it's actually fraud, a mandate. You have yeah, to burn like, your house Insurance down. companies are garbage, and yeah. they're, they're part of the reason for a really fucked up, like, you know, capitalist financial situation. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, why, why not? Fucking, you know, take some money from an insurance company. They have it. You pay money to get insurance. Mm-hmm. Like, you pay money to recollect it, right? Yeah. Like, might as well make good on that shit. <laughs> like itemize a list of very expensive things you don't actually own. Mm-hmm. You know, but within reason. You don't want to like set off too many, too many. Oh no, yeah, lists. don't be like fucking Fabergé eggs and the Mona Lisa and shit. <laughs> yeah. Like you know, but you know, be like, yeah, I own some, uh, you know, some uh, nineteen seventy two Fender Stratocast because you know that's that right there is like yeah. ten twenty grand or some shit like that. Crazy. Yeah, some original cells from The Simpsons, you know, yeah. animation cells. Yeah, you have a bunch of those. Some warp nacelles from uh, Star Trek, um, uh, the motion picture. Mm-hmm. Um, a mummy hand. Wow. <laughs> from the mummy. <laughs> from the mummy. Uh, oh, as held by Brendan Fraser. Yeah. Like as, as masturbated with by Brendan Fraser. <laughs> you know, he did a mummy stranger on himself. Oh, yeah. That's probably the best. It's yeah. like when other, when like, you know, it's just, it, he had such like a realistic, um, prop there Mm -hmm. it's like how else are you going to actually simulate a hand job from a mummy if not just go and break into a museum and get a mummy hand yourself so i mean you could always ask uh kelsey grammar (laughs) (laughs) for hand jobs kelsey grammar yeah he's a he's a mummy (laughs) 
Uh, Janeway says there surely must be somebody with an illegal transmitter on the planet. And the old dude says that we, she must want some Tosla root soup. No. How do you feel about Tosla root as compared to Leola? Yeah, I feel like that was just like they probably wrote Leola root and they're just like, no, we can't eat the same thing Neelix eats. And there's like, oh. Tosla. <laughs> they already have fucking honeydew melons on this planet. We can't have them have fucking Leola root too. That not not just sense. honeydew melons, but like hollow. Just the. No, we'll, just, we'll, just, we'll talk about. Yeah, it. we'll talk about it. Don't make me piss my pants yet. Okay? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, don't make me piss my pants yet. We can't talk too much about. It. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Janeway asks what happened to her companions. The man unhelpfully answers that she should be more careful out there, as the Mokra will pick a fight for no reason at all. He commend, uh, commends Janeway for fighting off the Mokra, and Janeway asks again if her companions were taken. The man says he's afraid so, and they were taken to the prison. Janeway asks how she can get to the prison, and the man says he'll make soup. <laughs> he is completely unhelpful. He's just out to fucking lunch. He's out to yeah, eat soup for like, lunch. Yeah, this character was really annoying to me. Like, Oh, yeah, this this character, <laughs> like, in a lot, on a lot of the reviews, people are like, yeah, he was a great actor. He does do a good acting job in here yeah. like, at the very end of his character arc. Yeah. But other than that, he is it's repeti- annoying. It, it's repetitive and how just... He's just a doofus old man who has no idea what's going on. Yeah. He's demented. It's like, it's not fun. It's like pathetic. But also, and like, I feel like we got a sense like, okay, this, this man's like delusional and scarred mm-hmm. and, tra- and traumatized by his experiences under the moker of it. And I feel like they didn't do a good job in this episode. I feel establishing the moker as like, um, as this, as these like, iron-fisted fascists and i think the problem with that is they only showed one actual mokra in the entire yeah. only yeah. one actually talked yeah the rest of them are just like wearing helmets and they're extras mm-hmm. and 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 otherwise like you see um with like the other other um other aliens like they just seem to be like living life as usual and don't seem to be like terrified or yeah, and, and their planet's not super nice it's one of their like uh the shitty like market planets yeah which you is know? odd because like they're clearly warp capable they are and yeah and uh but i mean i guess that's just their way of life like where they just kind of like have like a like backwards <laughs> like, yeah i mean they're, they're they're like i don't know i guess like kind of fascist like they're an empire turned mm-hmm. inwards, which is what fascism. Basically yeah, but like there wasn't, t- but you didn't see too many of like besides like the interaction. So it's like we didn't like okay, they're bad, but we didn't yeah. see them. And like there's obviously a resistance against them because mm-hmm. they have some sort of outsized power, and you know we see them trying to use outsized power and just like take people to prison mm-hmm. for torturing without any sort of due process. Yeah, so we get it. We yeah. they're definitely bad. We don't know on the Nazi scale how bad they are. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, what, what, what's your Nazi scale? Where would you start it in, like, would it go up to Nazi? Would it go past Nazi? Would, like, Pol Pot be a past Nazi? Or where, where's your where's your evil society scale? Where does it start and where does it begin? What's the, what's the, a society that's evil but, like, beginner evil? Hmm, and beginner then what's a evil. society that's, like, super fucking evil? Uh... Like beginner evil, I'd say like maybe Canada is a beginner <laughs> evil country. They're uh, like 
they're definitely evil, but like they're not great at it because they're so goddamn polite. <laughs> they're just like good at being neoliberal and like accidentally like destroying the earth because America's doing it too. I can see like maybe like you know one of those like you know sort of like benignly evil like you know European countries like you know Amsterdam or something. Yeah, I mean all. Yeah. The- all the countries in Europe are <laughs> yeah. basically evil yeah, in some they're, way. They're all they're all pretty dark. Even like yeah, Finland seems cool, but you know they're helping destroy the planet because like. But that's why I say that I don't know a lot about their history, so they could because no. I mean, Canada oh. there is a lot of like how they've treated their First Nations people. Oh, terrible! So, <laughs> but I mean, once again, I feel like a lot of what they did there was just them looking at Big Brother, uh, you know, the U.S. of A. and being like. Well, how are they doing the genocide? Yeah. Oh, maybe we should do one of them too. Yeah. I but mean, it's, uh, there was, was just a little more Catholic and a little less Protestant. Yeah. Times. Just different flavors of the same genocide. You know? Yeah. So Janeway thanks the old man for his hospitality, but says she needs to get to the prison to get to her friends. The man says the Mokra won't stand a chance against the two of them, but first she needs to eat and rest to regain her strength and get some goddamn soup in her fucking belly, you dumb bitch, uh, is what he says. Uh, he says they'll leave soon enough, uh, and they don't want to keep her waiting any longer than they have to. It's mythical her that they're keeping waiting in the prison. Mm. Janeway asks, keep who waiting? And the man says she must miss her terribly, being locked away in a dark cell. He says it's been hard for both of them and hugs her, Janeway, saying she'll get to see her mother again. Janeway is like, what the fuck, seriously? And she has a face here. She has a face like, yeah. God damn it, old man. What are you getting me into? <laughs> I, I, I don't know why Janeway just didn't see this as a waste of her time. It's definitely a waste of her time. <laughs> because. Like, and that, that's the thing is like, uh, I write here later, like, like. In any other episode, I feel like she would have been out of this house in the first scene. Like she would have been like, "Okay, man, that's clearly delusional yes. and and potentially going to blow my cover or make things worse because he's because he's not seeing reality." And like I'm in a, I'm in a I'm in a um in a in a pickle right now. Right. <laughs> I'm like, uh, but I need to be going out and proactively finding my friends. Mm-hmm. potentially like meeting up with Neelix's um, uh, uh, source on there. Like right. something that's not just like humoring this, this man's like trauma. Cause like, right. He's, 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 um, he's, yeah. he's like replaying like a, a trauma loop and over and over and over and again. It's going to get everyone killed. Cause he's fucking insane. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so back up on Voyager, Shakote is speaking with Augris of the Mokra. He says their planet has been under attack before, so he hopes Chakotay will sympathize and understand his skepticism towards strangers who arrive secretly from a hidden ship. Chakotay assures him he has no hostile intentions, and while Augris can appreciate that, some of his colleagues are more cautious when dealing with, quote, disreputable ships. Neelix takes offense to this, and he's like, what do you mean by that? <laughs> and asks what that's supposed to mean, and Augris tells Chakotay the Voyager has been making more enemies than friends since arriving in the Alpha Quadrant. And he notes that some don't believe that story, that they're from the Alpha Quadrant in the first place. 
Which is weird that like everyone calls it the Alpha Quadrant. Yeah. Right? In the Delta They'd Quadrant. They'd be like, we're the Alpha Quadrant. Before. Yeah, right? They'd be like, <laughs> yeah, you came from the Delta Quadrant. What are you talking about? That's yeah, like, this is the Alpha Quadrant. Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, it's like, yeah. And... It's super weird. Like, every, everything is still somehow Federation and Terran centric, <laughs> yeah. no matter how far in the universe they mm-hmm. go. It's fucking wild. <laughs> Um, Chakotay asks if, uh, Augris believes it and Augris confirms that he does saying that he's there to help. Chakotay asks to speak with his crew members, but Augris says that would be difficult in the current climate of mistrust, unless maybe Chakotay could tell him more about what brought him to the planet and who they've been dealing with, which is actually like real statecraft shit. Like, like secrets for secrets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like people. Yeah. That's, that's believable. Yeah. Uh, Chakotay says he'll consider the deal after speaking with his crew members, and Augris says he's not making it very easy for him to help. After a tense moment, Augris says he can, uh, he'll see what he can arrange, on, although it may take some time. Then he says goodbye. Immediately after he leaves, Chakotay goes to Neelix and tells him to get in touch with his contacts again to try to coordinate an, alter, uh, an alternative to sitting around waiting for the diplomatic gears to turn. Down on the planet, Belana Taurus and Tuvok Tuvok are being interrogated together by Augris. Tuvok says he can't answer a question based on a faulty assumption. Augris tells him he can't deny being in contact with the Resistance, and Tuvok says he denies that they're trying to supply the Resistance with weapons. But Augris does not accept this. He says he wants a name, and Tuvok says they have none to give. <laughs> Taurus yells that they don't know anything about the Resistance. Agra says he's heard it many times from many people, then commands a guard to take Tuvok away. Taurus lashes out at another guard, but Tuvok tells her to stop and says it will help neither of them. They then take Tuvok away for interrogation and torture and leave Bellana Taurus alone in a cell. Poor little Bellana. <laughs> Bellana. <laughs> Uh, over with Janeway, she's looking out a window when the old man once again enters. Yeah, like everything Janeway's doing right now feels like a waste of time. <laughs> I, I, I honestly like hated ninety percent of this plot. I was yeah fine with what was going on up, back up in the Voyager, but this plot fucking was, and it was mostly because the the way they wrote this dude was daffy. He was like yeah. out to lunch this entire time, and Janeway just humors him and until the very end and i'm like why like she should have just like the in any other situation janeway it's just like the the writing for janeway isn't correct on this episode like no. in any other episode she would have been like listen old man you're fucking daffy <laughs> like and or all- she would just been like hey what's that out there and like have him look out the window then like chop him on the neck and knock him out and then just killed him he just starts seizing and <laughs> she's just- like Oh, not I killed another old one. Oh, geez. Like his species his species probably has some sort of vital (laughs) vital vital organ right there. (laughs) Hit him right in the genitals (laughs) and the neck genitals. Yeah. No, not my dick. (laughs) But yeah, it's like I feel like Yeah, the whole like humoring this guy and over and over again, I'm just like, okay, where is this going? But I mean we get that we get to something eventually, but I don't know. I feel like like as a as a ticking clock, like you know, 
from her perspective, her friends are in jail mm-hmm. from a from a, a by, by a fascist you know government, yeah. and they need to get out of there. So it's like yeah. spending time like pretending to be this guy's daughter or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's a waste of fucking time. Yeah. So over with Janeway, she's looking out the window, and the old man once again enters. Janeway tells him she sees soldiers outside and asks what's happening. He says they're searching everything, and they're searching everywhere. Janeway says she doesn't want to cause trouble for the old man, so she'll leave as soon as it gets dark. The old man tells Janeway she's always been a troublemaker and such a willful child, and and that's what he loves most about her. And her face is like, this fucking bullshit again? Yeah. Um, he tells her they'll both make it out under the cover of nightfall and he begins packing some things for her mother. Firstly, a pretty dress to wear, <laughs> which is just like, he says it in such a weird way. And I'm like, no, yeah. stop this whole B plot or A plot or whatever plot it is. I, I, like, I think it is the A plot. Yeah. Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> Janeway pleads with the old daffy man, saying they're only looking for her, and he doesn't have to get involved any more than he already is. The man says that if his precious girl is involved, then he's involved too, and I, I, that's when I opened up the drawer and started looking at the gun. <laughs> um, he, he pulls a necklace out of his pocket and asks her if she remembers it, saying her mother used to wear it on special occasions, and today probably counts as a special occasion. And I was like, I put the gun in my mouth, <laughs> realized it wasn't loaded, took it out, and looked at the box of bullets. Yeah, you're just like, I can I can end this right now. I can be free. He says she'd like it if Janeway wore it and puts it on her, accidentally bumping her neck wound in the process. And she's like, ow. And why does this guy, does he, does he do this with every single woman he sees on the street? Every woman he's able to kidnap after they get <laughs> yeah. shot. Yeah. Um, imagine how many times that happens to him. Yeah, I mean, if this, you know, like it, it does look like it's probably common occurrence because I mean, they they do shoot her, they do shoot Janeway, and then stuff just goes back to God no, normal. That would be a funny series. Just this old man <laughs> it just groundhog days it, and like every time he finds like a woman in distress, yeah. he's like knocked out. He fucking drags her to his home, and he's like. <laughs> Yitterakata! Oh my God! Is we're gonna go save my wife? Let me make you some awful soup. And every time he gets him like vaporized by the guards right outside the prison. (laughs) Go, go, pretend, go, pretend to seduce them. I'll sneak in. I'll save your mother. I think the old man sent another one. You want to fuck her and kill her? Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, So. Janeway tells the old man if he wants to help her, he should tell her about the prison and ask what kind of security they have. The old man says they have a lot of security and that they make a big show about boasting that no one has ever escaped the prison before. Janeway says he can't come to the prison with her as it's far too dangerous. He says he's not afraid, but Janeway insists he must stay home. He insists that if he doesn't go, he can't bring her mother the letters. Janeway is like, what? <laughs> and at this point in the episode, this, this, I, I was also like, what? This is so laborious. Like, just like dealing with this guy. It's just like, all right. Like, ser- seriously, <laughs> this episode is so laborious. I thought about unionizing myself while watching it. Like, I was just like, management made me watch this shit. I'm like, wait, 
eye management. Yeah, that's kind of why like I really I don't like this episode that much. I no, no. So I'll say it right now. <laughs> I hated this episode. Yeah. The the end is pretty good. I'm fine yeah. with the end, but other than this, this is like maybe one of my least favorite episodes of Voyager. Like yeah. because I actually like the bad episodes of Voyager, mm-hmm. like Tattoo, like Threshold. Yeah. You know, like like shit people know are bad, but like I actually looked this up. This episode is on like an uh bottom or a bottom ten episode online, but like mm. it's not commonly a bottom ten episode. Interesting. It's not commonly like a bottom episode for people, but I will tell you, I hated this episode. Yeah. And at least on like IMDB, it is one of it's the one of the lowest rated episodes of the season. Oh yeah, I didn't even check what the rating yeah, was. Only, only getting like a it was either IMDB or um uh Rotten Tomatoes, whatever fucking um it might be Metacritic too. Whatever mm-hmm. uh, Plex uses, mm-hmm. but this was like one of the lowest rated episodes in the season and mm-hmm. overall in all of Voyager. Like yeah. people didn't like this episode. Yeah, this this guy sucks. Yeah, this guy's just so drawn out. And, oh, he's and, so much to deal with. And it's like, and yeah, it's and eventually like watching like you know just like kind of like glaze my eyes glaze over. I'm just like I don't care anymore. So, straight up, <laughs> like after the second scene with this guy, I like tuned out. Even though I had to write like notes on this, the first time I watch it, I like mm-hmm. watching this guy. I'm like, "Fuck it, it's this guy again." I'm gonna turn off my mind, <laughs> yeah. or, like take the biggest dab hit I possibly can, and just like force THC in my mind so I can deal with this guy being a fucking idiot. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. Like, I feel as a viewer, you pretty much understand like immediately from the first scene with the guy you understand where his mind's at and what his motivations are and like but, but like, somehow Janeway is like well, well maybe yeah. I should maybe I should stick with it this is intriguing yeah. and like Janeway you're smarter than that like kill this guy like <laughs> b- pretend like kill him and just pretend to like be like the own this house or something mm-hmm. I don't know like come yeah, on yeah I wonder if the like I feel like it was just being stretched out cuz maybe they didn't have any other anything else to, to write because like you know just add, in, like, add, add another plot with fucking Cass and the doctor yeah. they're not on this episode at it's all. like okay we understand we understand his character let's move on to something else and not just have him constantly be like you my oh no you remind my daughter loves this you love this oh and she loves this as well you oh of course you love it you remind me of a girl <laughs> who was my daughter and my whole world <laughs> and although her mom's in prison now i absolutely Sweet loved her, her. Now she's dead. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Love it. Um, so, um, God, the old man asks Janeway if she remembers how they used to write letters to the mom as he gets out this old container. He opens it up and there's a box full of letters. He says he still writes them every week since she's been gone. And like this box isn't that big. There can't be even a year worth of letters in here. No. Given the size of paper and the fact that, like, all of these are pieces of paper folded in half, it looks like he's been writing letters every week for a few months. Yeah. <laughs> like, he was assigned a pen pal for school. Yeah, he's 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 definitely, like, trying to, like, pretend he's been doing a lot. He's like, oh, yeah, I have been writing the letters. Yeah, the- I know how to read and write. Sure. <laughs> yeah, see letters. Right, guys? It's uh, just, like, a box full of, like, back page ads. Like, for, like... <laughs> I, I will. I will say. I totally. I totally empathize with trying to make people believe you're actually literate. Like <laughs> yeah. this entire time, I'm just like telling you this episode from memory and staring at dog videos on this <laughs> on this iPad. I'm like, 
Yeah, that happens next. Sure, it's, it's the Charlie. It's a Charlie writing. Always like, <laughs> <laughs> just like symbols. <laughs> yeah, symbols. I have. I have only. Like, what is this Brit? What is this? <laughs> it's my Britoglyphics. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh yeah, you know what that is. <laughs> so, um, old man says he's always known he'd be able to give the letters to his wife someday. She asks how long it's been. Then suddenly, he can't find his most recent letter the one that he wrote just three days ago. He says he can't let his wife think he's given up hope and stopped writing, so he resolves to write it again right there, which is like, <laughs> why do we need this fucking scene? I know. It's like painful. It is painful. It's painful. like, it, it, it definitely feels like pulling teeth watching. Like, oh, it was. Like, I was like clenching my fist. I'm like, <laughs> stop. Yeah. Like, this is a bad acting performance. It's a bad writing job. It's just like not good. Yeah. Um, yeah, you go from like you know feeling sorry for him to being like, oh my god, just please, just can we go to something else? And it's also in like tangentially too, like you get mad at Janeway because she has these dumb velvet gloves on for this guy when she should just be like, <laughs> you're daffy old man, you need psychiatric help that they don't have on this planet. Goodbye. Yeah, she like, doesn't. She she challenges him a little, like you know, or she's barely. like, yeah, she goes like, but she barely, but she never. I mean that. I mean that's something. Same something for her being a Starfleet captain that she never like blows up on him. True, and but like, at the same time, it's like she never he, like he need, tells the truth to this guy he, like she would usually. Yeah, he he's he's obviously someone who needs the truth. Yeah, because he's fucking <laughs> delusional and daffy. He's, yeah, he is absolutely bananas. Yeah, like he and she never addresses it with him. I mean, like maybe like maybe like confr- he, confr- he dies believing he was sane. <laughs> <laughs> which is fucked up yeah like it would have although it would have been super funny if like when he, she was dying he's like oh did we save her and she's like no she she's been dead for a long time <laughs> i'm not your daughter good night like, yeah. i can see that being, see you I in can, hell i can see that man. being kind to you know that that'd be a kind thing to do yeah but like fine. but yeah i mean i think what it i think what this really needed was a scene where she does blow up at him right and challenge his worldview and then like he reacts badly to it well, yeah but then and like comes to save her at the end then comes and to has save a hero's her. death yeah yeah perfect. and and then that's when there you she... go that's perfect writing good storytelling yeah and then you can have a man be annoying and have her recognize it but then have him have redemption and be mm-hmm. like uh yeah, my wife is gone, but I can still save the living or some shit yeah. like that. Instead, like, we just have her like treating him with kids' gloves and him mm-hmm. being annoying the entire time. <laughs> she treats him with. Let's be honest, she treats him with Neelix gloves. Yeah, she, she patronizes him. She's, oh, oh no, this food is great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Replicator, make some real fucking food. I mean, she did spit up Neelix's coffee. I think you know, he made like I made a simulation of your coffee, and, yeah. and it was just like garbage. Yeah, <laughs> she's like, this, this is this is actual urine, Neelix. <laughs> oh, whoops, that was the other cup I had. Oh. Um, so. <laughs> The old Daffy man gets out a pen and paper, but then his hands start shaking all Michael J. Foxy. <laughs> he asks Janeway to write the letter so it looks nice, and she says she's sorry, but she has to leave before the soldiers check the house, which is like her one moment of the episode of actually like, fuck off, old man. Yeah. Uh, the old man begins a monologue and says the last letter was about, wait, he doesn't remember. No, he remembers. And God, I hate this writing. 
I hate that writing. Like, mm. this is written like a bad Broadway play from the 1980s or mm-hmm. 70s. Like, it was a long time ago, and I don't remember. No, wait! I do remember. <laughs> like, shut up! No one thinks like that. No. Um. Yeah. Um. He remembers. He went walking in the morning, and it was very cold. Tell her I wore my sweater. She worries about that sort of thing. And he saw they tore down the old building where her and the other children used to play. And tell her it rained for two and a half days. And there was something more. There was something about a friend, but he can't remember. And he gets mad because he wanted to tell her so much. <laughs> um, so this is some trying to act like you have dementia mm-hmm. ass terrible bullshit. And it's got the shitty flute music behind it in the background. And it's really very, very, very bad television making. And it comes off as bad television. And, like, I don't, like... That's also why I I was talking about why, like, we needed more visual scenes of how bleak their life is under this fascist regime. True. Because, like, all we're seeing it is the eyes of this crazy man. Right. And, And like, but but we go out to the street and people are, like, just, like, business as usual, business as usual. And, like, I think what we really needed to visually bring, you know, connect his trauma with, like, everything else is, like, yeah, shit needed to be, like, bleak out on the street. Like, there needed to be scared people. There needed to be starving people. Right. Like, And honestly, like, we should have known earlier that his wife and or child was dead. Yeah. I, mean, that, I think we kind of implied it like b- b- kind of, yeah. but at the same time there was still hope mm-hmm. that either of them was alive. Right. Yeah. Po- oh, possibly in, in their, in their prison or something. Right. right exactly. And so like, yeah. Yeah. And so that actually wasn't really established until the end, which I thought they should have at least one of them, you know, mm-hmm. know. yeah, but like, I would, it would, it would have been fine if like, you know, fucking, um, like, you know, the old man goes out or something, Janeway hides and finds, like, a news clipping saying that, like, his wife is dead or his daughter's dead or something. Mm-hmm. You know, there was some, they could have done something there. Yeah, like, that would have been, like, something for Janeway to do, like, where, right. like, she goes, and yeah, yeah, as you said, she finds some announcement of her death. Right. And, like, and then she hides it from him to protect him, like, to protect him of the truth. Yeah, I mean, this this could have just been handled so much better. Yeah. I think more than anything, the episode A suffers from some bad writing, but also the way this guy plays the old man, I hate. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he played <laughs> it to the best of his ability, but I just I hated it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he 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 did good, I guess, with what he was given. I mean, that's probably like sure. <laughs> like the best we could say for him and and it is funny they have the like the characters acting I mean I, as mean as we've said like, you know, like also Harry Kim is just like uh, laying it uh, down. I'm sorry, who? Harry Kim. Oh, Ensign Harry Kim. Ensign Harry Kim. Ensign Harry Kim. Yeah. Like, Use his full name, please. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, like, he's pretty much in charge <laughs> on yeah. the ship. And yeah, Chakotay sucks, and he's just bumbling asking yeah. what he should do. Yeah, it's just like I feel like they were probably meaning to have that have that dialogue done by a different character, possibly. Probably. Because, probably Robert Picardo, maybe. Because he's very confident and mm-hmm. sure of himself and just, like, does, like everything awesome i mean he usually does mm-hmm. but it's just like but this is still an early episode like season two right it definitely felt more like maybe tuvaki stuff to be doing yeah 
or maybe Taurus because she's engineering. Yeah, she's engineering. Yeah, but yeah, he's he's basically up on the ship running engineering and ops. Yeah, together, <laughs> together, but, and like Chicote <laughs> is just like doing the command thing of being like. Uh, I need to know what to do, people. Yeah, he's basically ru- yeah, he's running the entire ship by himself, it seems. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> So this old demented guy is having a breakdown about his bad memory, and Janeway finally... No, she doesn't confront him. Sorry, she comforts him. Yeah, she comforts saying him. Saying that his wife would understand. He says that, yeah, she would, and he has a good cry. He pleads for Janeway to let him come with her to the prison, and she says that's not possible. Just then, the soldiers bang on the door, saying... Open up or else. And Janeway asks the old man if there's another way out. He shows her a way behind some curtains uh, near a fireplace and goes with her just as the soldiers kick down the door and have no idea that there's a secret way out. Mm -hmm. Sometime later, Janeway and the old man are wandering around in some market on the planet and they come to a door which Janeway knocks on. Um. Uh, she says that the the maybe the contact is there uh, that they were that Neelix was with. The old man says it's ridiculous and that they don't need him. Janeway says if the person there is a member of the resistance, he may be able to help her contact Voyager. Suddenly, Augris and some soldiers walk into the market, and uh, I have to know here that their outfits are so fucking sick. <laughs> They're like kind of black leathery, and it's like mm-hmm. this interesting, maybe industrial building material. Like it looks so cool. Maybe a little fashy, but in a super like stylish kind of way. Mm-hmm. Uh, the old man sees Augris, and he says, monster, and starts towards him before Janeway stops him. <laughs> Yeah, this guy's a liability at this point. He's so, he's insane. Like like she's she's like being forced to explain everything to him. Like she like obviously she needs a communicator. She needs a way of communicating off planet. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, she's like has to like hold this guy by the hand and lead him every step of the way while he makes things worse for her in every every turn. <laughs> in absolutely every single like this this guy is like he is a parasite. On yeah. Her. And he, like, actively prevents her from getting help at so many places <laughs> mm-hmm. and, like, makes a liability. Although there is one point where he saves her. He does. And we'll talk about that in a second. We are. You're about to get to it. So, I mean, we're just, just uh, out, if you're out there, like, please get to a waterproof area. Yes. Uh, yeah. Trigger <laughs> trigger warning. It's time. Get in the so bathtub. We'd we, we, we be squirting in a we, few minutes. Yeah. So <laughs> Lay down a tarp. Janeway rushes the old man behind a wall, and he says that Augris is the man that took her mother. Janeway insists that they want a fight, and they should not give them one. Augris is busy asking citizens if they've seen any strangers around the market when he points one person out and asks him, and it's their their contact that Neelix was Mm -hmm. in. The man says he hasn't seen any strangers. Augris grabs the man by the arm and leads him to two women and says... There are two over here, and points to them. Have you seen them? Uh, the man says, yeah. And Augur says, maybe we should discuss this elsewhere. And the guards begin to take the man. Now, so this is another reason why they should have gone in disguise. Yeah. Because we don't really see any other, do we see any other alien races on the planet? I don't, maybe. So, I mean, so like asking, like, have you seen the stranger? It's like okay, you obviously mean an off-worlder, yeah. and like, we like Janeway and all the others stand out like sore thumbs. 
Absolutely. Like, especially Neelix. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, this would have been a situation that would have been good just for like them to have a little prosthetic fake nose put on. And that way yeah. they would have blended, blended in. Cause like they clearly like, obviously Neelix probably gave them like a lowdown of the situation that's happened on the planet. And did, did he though? Yeah, probably not. Neelix <laughs> it's like, Neelix probably, was probably like, now let me tell you about their food. Yeah. All right? yeah. But there, but there obviously there's like some importance of blending in, especially when you're doing something clandestine, like, you know, you know, getting like the thing you need and getting off world real quick. And right. like, and you know, like, you know, like this, these jackbooted thugs looking for off worlders, like, obviously like they can be like, well, the person that doesn't have the fucked up nose, <laughs> like, have <laughs> you seen it? One. Have you seen anyone with a smooth nose? <laughs> That's all they have to say. It's like, smooth Oh yeah. Noser. Smooth nose. Smooth smooth <laughs> um, so, uh, they're trying to take the, contact away augresses and the old man runs out and intervenes doing like a a, a comedy routine <laughs> oh, oh wait oh he says oh, good, oh, good morning oh, 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 get into your get into your uh, tarp your bathtub oh yeah yeah so here, here we go everybody here we go it's the funniest it's, it's, it's thing a, you'll ever hear it's, it's like a gallagher concert get out the tarp baby get out the raincoats <laughs> uh the old man runs in and intervenes and he's like good morning <laughs> I seem to have lost my hat. <laughs> and everybody's laughing. And I gotta say, I pity this planet so fucking much if this is what passes for funny. Like, I would, yeah. I would, like, if I visited this planet, I would poison the atmosphere <laughs> because there is no reason to have a life on a planet that terminally unfunny you know i guess we were talking about like there was not a lot of visual cues that this is like a an an oppressive fascist um world yeah and i guess just look at the comedy just look at the comedy it's like germany still is not funny not funny way (laughs) and and so people are like well his hat that's very funny oh my god this we should we should laugh at the very funny hat situation this man he's asking for a hat in a funny voice and he says he says he says his hat is that big? That's a big hat. No one has a hat that big. That is absolutely absurd. What an absurd situation this man is positing to us right now. I think. I think. What? <laughs> what is this coming to my lips now? Ha 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 ha! Am I that? having a stroke? Oh no! <laughs> I'm having the stroke by Billy Squire. <laughs> uh, we were talking about that earlier. Yeah, we were. Yeah, I, I talk about Billy Squirrel. I call back to something that listeners have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> um, so honestly, so you know what this reminded me of a lot, hmm. and you're gonna totally get this the moment I say it. His character reminded me a lot of none other than Pistachio Disguisey. <laughs> The, uh, the character from 2001's Master of Disguise. Am I not turtly enough for the turtle club? Turtle, turtle, <laughs> turtle, turtle. Oh my god, you're right. Oh my yeah, god. Right? He's so pistachio He also kind of looks like Dana Carvey in a little he way. He kind of does. He, yeah. he's, he's pistachio-pilled. Wow, yeah. Disguise-y-pilled, if you will. What what year did um, Master of Disguise come out? 2002. Okay, so... So I, this so, was pre... So, yeah. so clearly, Dana Carvey ripped this guy off. Right. <laughs> crazy crazy he saw this and he's like "Hmm, i think i have an idea for a film Um, so the man who is uh being detained the the contact slips away 
which is weird because Augers had two guards with him who just like stand there. Yeah. And I think they're enjoying the comedy routine too much. The guards are like, ha, 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 even <laughs> though we're fascist, he doesn't have a hat. And he needs a hat. He's that's a, that's that's a foot tall. No one has a, a foot tall hat. It's a big hat. <laughs> like, a, <laughs> wow, who would have a hat that big? That's absurd. So Augurus tells the old man to run along, and the old man says, without my hat? <laughs> and everyone laughs again. Yeah, and he does that dumb thing with his mouth. So <laughs> Augers puts a roll of bread in his mouth and then walks over to a fruit stand and grabs a hollowed out half of a honeydew melon. <laughs> For some reason, they have a, a full honeydew melon here, but also a hollowed out half of one mm-hmm. on the planet. And I'm like, why would they have that in a marketplace? Maybe like people, you're, sho- maybe you're it's showing a, off how you can hollow out a honeydew melon. Maybe they were like... Uh, uh, make taking a little melon baller and giving people samples or something, and then they just left the empty rind there with the rest of the product. Yeah, why not? Because that's disgusting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. That's yeah. not a good way to do samples. I, I kind of figured it was them trying to make like a honeydew melon look like an alien um, fruit. Oh, obviously, but it was poorly done. Yeah, it was so lazy. Yeah, yeah. So, because I mean, they did have like acorn squashes there and like stuff that they you know. <laughs> it's like it wasn't they weren't trying too hard to make make it look like an alien so like buffet. this this fucking ups the ante and people are like whoa 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 oh yeah put in whoa whoa we just <laughs> we just got like this spoken comedy and now you're giving us physical comedy and they mm-hmm. fucking everyone pisses all over that would have been a great place for this episode to then go like that that's the way they solve the problem on this planet like agoras <laughs> suddenly re- suddenly like stops and he feels something he like that like the 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 th- the um uh the feeling that only improvis- improvisational comedy can give you and so then oh like <laughs> so then him and the old man like just like start just riffing with each other and just like create oh. a whole comedy routine and then that's how they solve the problem <laughs> the old man's like are you ready for my plan i call it scenes from a hat <laughs> <laughs> And they just start laughing, and that brings about world peace. I, I love that idea. I would love that. that but instead, he doesn't. Yeah, I mean, they he basically does something like putting the honeydew melon, hollowed honeydew melon half on his head was probably way funnier than anything. It was. And putting the roll in his mouth actually was the funniest thing because he got him to <laughs> shut up, which is yeah. awesome. <laughs> like, I actually, yeah, that, um, Jesus Christ. So... <laughs> The old man now with a roll in his mouth and a half of a honeydew melon on his head uh, as a new a new hat, um, which isn't big enough though. It's not the size of his hat. It's not big enough. No. Um, stares at Jane Wayne. He gives her like a thousand yard stare, like <laughs> just like went through something insanely real. Oh yeah, he was he his is like that entire time. Like he was smiling, but his eyes weren't. Like oh, he was no. just he was just hollow inside. No, he was the the clown who was dying inside and just. <laughs> yeah. He was the day clown. the clown cried. Yeah, he was just like he was like, "Where's my head?" And he was just thinking about loading up a gun at home. Yeah, just, just seeing, just seeing like a gun Viet- in the bathtub. Just seeing Vietnam footage go through his head. He's like, "Where's my head?" And fortunate my son head? starts to play. But fortunate son in his own language that we haven't heard. So Janeway immediately walks out to the center of the market, and the old man tells her, "It's all right now." She takes the melon off of his head, and they walk <laughs> away together. Uh, back with Taurus, 
she's in the jail cell and there's a ladder in the cell that she climbs and tests a horizontal bar when she hears somebody <laughs> yell out in pain of being <laughs> Back on the bridge of the Voyager, Neelix is briefing the crew on the location and defenses of the prison. Chakotay says the Mokra aren't familiar with transporter technology and asks that they can beam through their shields. Ensign Harry Kim says there's power fluctuations in their shields and he's working on a way to take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. Neelix, yeah, Harry is the only one working on this project. He's so good at everything <laughs> in this episode. He's like, he's he's running every single department they need to actually pull this off. Yeah, like, what is everyone else doing right now? Yeah, you know, you know what, you know what we're calling him for the, the rest of this episode, Ensign Hero Kim. Mm, that's like what it. he is, baby. Yeah, he. I think he gets an automatic promotion though. I think he goes to captain. I think he's the captain now. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me, I'm the captain. Now. Yeah, he should have just. He should have just like. Just like plotted and shot, shot everyone else out of an oh, airlock. Yeah, he should, yeah. <laughs> he should just beamed everyone else out into space. And he's yeah. like, "Well, I've got calm, don't I?" <laughs> um, so Tom Paris says, if they could beam in close enough in the prison uh, to the prisoners, the Mokro wouldn't even have time to react. Ensign Harry Kim says they can't locate the away team. From the ship, and their sensors can't get through the shields and rock on the planet, and they'll have to find the prisoners after they beam in. Chakotay says beaming in is too dangerous, and they'll have to find another way. Or rather, Ensign Harry Kim will have to find another (laughs) Mm -hmm. way. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, Paris is just coming up with dumb shit ideas. Yeah, Paris is like, well, I'll lead the away team. I can get shot. That's the only good idea I have. Yeah, he would have beamed Anyone down. Else? And they Anyone? just, like, all... For, for How about you, Chicote? Well, as my people once said, just kidding. I don't have a people. How about you, Ensign Harry Kim? Well, as the lowest ranking member of the crew, <laughs> let me come up with the entire fucking escape plan besides Neelix, who's also incompetent. Yeah, but Neelix is, Neelix is like rising above. He's making making everyone else look bad, too. Right? Did, did like Robert Picardo take one week off and they're like, fuck, 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 what do we do? Yeah. Give all of the good lines to <laughs> Neelix and Ensign Harry Kim. That's a thing, like... Uh, Robert Picardo was really like absent. You really felt his absence in this episode because yeah, really do. Maybe that's another reason it sucked so much. Yeah, like we needed, we did need a like need some sassy comedy. Man, yeah, yeah, we need a sassy. I'm, 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 whoa, I'm sorry. Did you say we needed some comedy? Yeah, I mean, I know we had that that the the melon the the hat the hat are, bit. Are, <laughs> the funniest. Are your pants not pissed? <laughs> Are you not entertained? I mean, I know how funny that was, but I think we needed a little more. A I little know you're more. wearing black jeans, but I can see right through them <laughs> because they're saturated in piss, Pat. Don't fucking pretend like the old man's comedy routine wasn't the funniest fucking thing you've All ever right. seen in your okay. life. I am I'm I'm in a I'm in a puddle of pee right now. You know now. what? We can we can run this goddamn <laughs> podcast with one host, all right? We don't need you if you don't want to admit the truth you should, of this man's comedy. You should see if that guy's still alive and you know get what? him on Yeah, here. yeah, cuz this is a comedy podcast and I think you're bringing it way down here by questioning <laughs> This real world, this like it's like you know Dane Cook is just a, 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 a fantasy story fairy tale. If he were real, he'd be this man. 
He would. This man would be him. Wow, he was definitely that planet's. I don't even know what the planet's name is. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, you know, Carrot Top. Mm-hmm. Get ready for Melon Top. <laughs> He's a combination of Carrot Top and Gallagher, the Melon Guy. Can we just refer to him as Melon Top for the rest of the podcast? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or Gallagher Three. Gallagher Three. He just smashes honeydew melons. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I smashed them because they were by the system by which I was oppressed. He's like, I want my hat. I'm going to smash my hat. I'm going to smash my hat. Should I smash my hat? It's about this big. It's about this big. Put on the raincoat. Smash that fucking hat, man. Smash it. Smash it. Smash it. Um. So... Uh, down on the planet, Janeway has found the dude the old man helped save. My old man... Huh? That old man, Melon Top. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I wrote it here and everything. Down to the planet, Janeway has found the <laughs> dude Melon Top helped saved, which is the guy that they were looking for, one of Neelix's contacts and a member of the Resistance. Mm. Janeway talks about her away team and the guy who we'll call Darod because his name is Darid, but it's spelled Darod, and we're going to talk about his big juicy penis. Or Darude. Oh, Darude. Yeah, it's like, there's a sandstorm coming. What? On this planet? It doesn't seem like that. Wait, what? You know, Darude name searches himself on 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 twitter does he yeah i i, I said some. i made a joke about like darude playing like um um uh retirement homes in the future <laughs> and he, that's amazing and, and 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 he found it in like the tweet i was just like what <laughs> that's that's kind of <laughs> like how do you how would you how would you find this darude unless you were just actively name searching yourself well that's what he does yeah that's or he probably has like a google alert or something oh yeah yeah it's like he's like oh my god people are talking about me Yep, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, people. He still tours as Darude, and like I guess his shows are still packed because he has that one song. I mean, that song does slap. That song slaps and a half. <laughs> that song goes so fucking hard. I mean, really, like all cultural progress should have ended with that because, like, you that's can't when, top it. Yeah, that's that's kind of when art ended, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, name anyway. name something that's come out that's better than Sandstorm. <laughs> I'll wait. Uh, excuse me. The melon top routine? Go fuck. Melon yourself. top was before sandstorm. You're right. You're right. That's true. <laughs> um, so anyway, Darude says that Neelix made it out, but Taurus and Tulak got captured. Janeway asks for information about the prison so she can go get her crew. Darude says there's people he'd also like to get out, but any sane person would tell her that it's impossible. Uh, and he looks at Melontop when he says this <laughs> because clearly he's insane. Yes. Uh, Melontop says, spoken like a coward. <laughs> uh, Darude gets pissed and says he's heard about Melontop and that Melontop is the coward. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, the old uh, Melontop's name is actually Kalim, mm-hmm. which I was going to call him from here on out in my notes. But no, it's, it's Mel- Melontop. It's Melontop. Uh, Janeway breaks up the argument, and Darude asks what she's doing with Melontop, as all his stories of brave deeds are just fantasies. Uh, he says taking Melontop along on this mission is suicide. Janeway says Melontop saved her and Darude's life. 
both. Uh, Darut says, okay, go get yourself killed. <laughs> Janeway says she doesn't have to get killed if he tells her what he knows about the prison. Darut tells her about some access tunnels that are being guarded. She asks for weapons, and Darud says he'll need something for them. She says she doesn't have anything to trade, as though she couldn't use collateral off of the Voyager or something. Like, being like, once we're yeah. done, I'll fucking beam you weapons and shit. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, obviously, like, Darude knows, mm-hmm. like, um, like, he, you know, he, you know, he's speaking with Neelix, like, he knows, like, that they, that they're. Yeah, they're from a ship. They're from Most a ship part. that's in orbit. Thing. And he probably, like, told them, like, they have stuff. Yeah. <laughs> they have technology and they have but, weapons. But instead, he's like, well, how about that necklace? We could use jewelry in the resistance. What the fuck are you talking about, you idiot? Yeah. Fucking, you should have just quit after Sandstorm, Darude. <laughs> uh, so Janeway says she can, but Melantop says, yeah, she can, uh, if it helps bring her mother back. Janeway thanks Melantop and makes arrangements for the trade. Darude wishes her luck, but says she'll need a miracle, and says he'll send someone three hours later to meet them in the market for the trade. Six hours later, <laughs> Janeway waits with Melantop to trade the necklace for some weapons, but says the dude with the weapons is over three hours late and they should consider the possibility that he got arrested. Melantop says she shouldn't believe what Darude said about him. Janeway says that she doesn't and that he's not a coward. He's a prop comedian. <laughs> the worst type of coward. Uh, Melantop says he has to keep his girl safe and it was too dangerous to get involved. He says her mother wouldn't listen, that she wanted to fight. Well, you know, there is one good prop comedian, and it's the amazing Jonathan. He's he's a magician, though, and he's dead. Yeah, but I mean, he was the best one. He was the only good one. <laughs> but he was he was a magician comedian, which is like saying that like yeah. I mean, Penn and Teller are also great like magician comedians, mm-hmm. but they're magicians first and also comedians. Okay, his amazing Jonathan was a little bit of both. Yeah, he did have his little things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I guess mean, yeah, I guess he wouldn't. I guess yeah, he would be a magician first. Okay. Yeah, you know, you can consider like Dennis Leary a prop comedian <laughs> if like, if cigarettes, cigarettes, yeah. cigarettes, and um. And, I, I, and want, Bill, I drink my coffee black. Yeah, if if uh, cigarettes and Bill Hicks' entire routine from the late '80s, <laughs> if those are props, then he's definitely a prop comedian. Yeah, um, yeah. So, uh, the mom was leading a raid against a Morka supply center, but she didn't show up to uh, the meeting place with Melonhead um, because <laughs> uh, wait, Melon Top, Melon Top, uh, because he was too afraid. She was still waiting for him when they arrested her. Melantop says he never told Rolkana because he knew she would hate him and begs Janeway for Rolkana's forgiveness, still believing she's Rolkana. Suddenly, the gun dealer shows up and the blue vest is promised and they go to meet him. Janeway digs into her pockets for the necklace, but before she can make the trade, she notices the guy wearing clean boots Mm -hmm. inverts them. Uh, Melantop asks what happened. And Janeway says she uh, that the guy was wearing Morka military boots and that it was definitely a trap. Mm-hmm. Uh, Melantop says all they need is the two of them to get in the prison, but Janeway insists they'll also need some weapons. She then sees a couple of young women on the street laughing, 
and says, maybe we'll have to try a different strategy. <laughs> She's like, hey, see those two sluts? <laughs> Ever think about being a slut? Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's. I, I do feel that's why we don't have like like the like the visual. Um, uh, just like connection to this, this this oppressive government because yeah, like everyone's like laughing in the street. Like we see these two women just like having a con- having a fun conversation. Yeah, you're allowed to be sluts in the society and like yeah, just you know, like slut just, rights are human. Rights. Yeah, and everyone's just like talking freely. They're just like they're all having a good time. I mean, they allowed Neelix to survive down there. Which they did. Like, whew, I wouldn't. <laughs> fucking they they allowed fucking Melon Top's comedy routine, which whew, yeah. Of course you do. That's the best comedy routine I've ever seen. Yeah, so we don't we don't associate why there needs to be a need for the resistance or like or anything. Well, to to bring good comedy routines <laughs> to the world, obviously. Yeah, yeah like everything we're we stand for everything that you know, like we're against this guy completely like guy who wants to do fucking prop comedy in the in the market. <laughs> the resistance <laughs> is led by Carlos Mencia. <laughs> <laughs> So back in the prison, Taurus is hanging out, doing nothing, when they throw Tuvok back in the cell, obviously tortured. Mm-hmm. Argris shows up and says that they don't need to ask Tuvok any more questions if she gives them the answers. Taurus insists she doesn't know anything, and their captors walk away. Instead of, like, just torturing her, too, which is weird. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't even bother torture her. Uh, Taurus, like they t- they decide to take like the guy yeah, like, who has who's like don't torture the one with two vaginas we could <laughs> use her for other things. But, I mean, obviously they don't know anything about Vulcans, but still they it's funny they chose the guy who's just like has a mastery of like of his emotions and right. like in in, the, in a large amount of self control. Mm-hmm. And then, but meanwhile, like you know, we see Balana like re- reacting very violently and like, yeah, and like and, trying to punch through the fucking yeah and, and they don't even field. they don't even try to like think like oh maybe she you know this guy who's been very stoic and mm-hmm. and um and not reactive maybe we'll torture him to get something out of him and like oh it didn't work but what about this other person no no they just decide not to <laughs> no she's only half black <laughs> uh so torres apologizes to tuvok and he sits in silence she says she always assumed Vulcans didn't feel pain like everybody else and that they somehow were able to black it out, to block it out, but then asks if uh, it was him that she heard screaming. Tuvok says Vulcans are able to suppress certain levels of physical, physical pain, but beyond that, they simply must endure the experience, mm. which makes me wonder if Vulcans are really, really into BDSM. Or it's, like, completely foreign to them. Like, Mm. is it like, well, we can handle all that, so no. Or they're Mm -hmm. like, well, we can handle all that, so we push it to the next fucking level. Mm. You know? That could be scary. (laughs) Yeah, Vulcan BDSM could be fucked up. Yeah. Um, It's like, just no emotion. No, 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 no uh, physical, like, you know reaction on the face you know oh yeah you know, I, I idic bdsm yeah that'd be terrifying oh yeah we love that that sounds hot <laughs> um, they probably wouldn't find it logical like like hmm you know beating <laughs> like causing you physical violence for sexual gratification but at the same time they're like it makes sense to feel something and mm. I can feel, I mean, like, how do you come but to feel? And we suppress all of our feelings. So mm. 
step on my balls, daddy. <laughs> um, so Taurus. It'd be at, funny if Vulcans have like a purge day, like like you know those purge yeah, that's, movies. That's Pon Far. Yeah, it's Pon Far, but once, but I mean like once every seven years they get to purge the cum leg. <laughs> uh, just get to empty it out all over just the drain it. street. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Stick a stick a stick a tube in it, like you know, you're like siphoning gas out of a, <laughs> out of a car. <laughs> so, <laughs> so stick a, like a, a wet dry vac in there, like yeah. a, an old dirty fish tank or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Tor- no purge for me. <laughs> uh, Torres asks how Tuvok can be so calm, and says he must feel some anger at what they did to him, some desire to fight back. But Tuvok says, under the circumstances, physical resistance is ineffective, and they are fighting back by refusing to give any information. Yeah. Just then, Darud is seen being put into a cell. They got him. They got Darud. Mm-hmm. Outside the prison, some guards are waiting, doing nothing. One of them says to wake him up if their commanding officer shows up, when suddenly he hears a noise. It's Janeway. Acting like a prostitute. And I gotta say, she does not sell it at all. Like, she just acts like Captain Janeway. <laughs> she does not act like sultry or anything. She just, like, lowers her voice a little bit. And mm-hmm. that's it. It's so funny. Word uh, for me. <laughs> I already emptied my cum leg. Did you see the millet top routine? You still have cum after that? You telling me? I know, I know. Jesus Christ. Man must have a two-second refractory period. But also... Again, this is why they also needed to go in disguise because you mean you mean they needed to go in pistachio disguise. <laughs> they need to go into pistachio disguise because they obviously know they're looking like the the mokra themselves are actively searching for an alien for a right. person for an offworlder, and no. up comes walks one introducing herself. Correct. Like fitting the description of who they're looking for, and uh-huh. he's just like, "Wow, whoa, 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 what a hot babe!" Yes, <laughs> so I'm gonna have some s- 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 sex. And instead of being like, "Hey, we're looking for you," <laughs> we're guards. Yeah, you know, we're for guards. a prison that no one's ever escaped from. But you know what? <laughs> I could use a hand job. Yeah. So the guard says that... Or whatever they have down there. You know, you don't know what you oh. need to use. Well, I mean, that's his <laughs> genitals are a hand, so that's what he does. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so the guard says that the girls aren't supposed to come down there anymore. And Janeway asks he, if he wants her to leave very seductively. He says he could get in trouble if anybody sees her there. And she says nobody will see us back here in this dark <laughs> private area. And leads him away while his buddy, like, like watches yeah he's like yeah he's like well i'll be around the corner you can can come in her next trust me yeah she's she's fine with it i mean really we're about to see that the that it's has to be just sheer incompetence that no one's broken into this prison before a (laughs) hundred percent because because these people are the dumbest motherfuckers they're like the dumbest action movie guards ever they're like yeah they're like, pussy? Okay. That's that's not uh, unusual for my, my guard job for fucking prostitutes to be fucking Oh, gee golly gosh, this person that's obviously not from our world wants to have sex with me? Guess I'll get my dick wet. So, fucking the guy, the prison guard rounds the corner and Melon Top hits him with a brick. 
on the back of the head. And Janeway takes his gun and shoots the other guard. So neither of them get, get to come, which is all fucked up. Yeah, no, like the resistance. I mean, doesn't ne- doesn't that break the prime directive more than anything? Mm-hmm. Is promising someone from an alien world like sexual relief and then hitting them <laughs> on the back of the head with a brick? Possibly. I think I think that is the greatest violation of the prime directive you can possibly make. Yeah, I mean they're going they're go they're going on a on a, on other rules right now. So oh yeah, they're they're going on the the melon top. Rules, <laughs> they're going on melon top rules, which like. Uh, if you're in the first three rows, bring a raincoat. Yeah. yeah, just totally fascinating that that the resistance is this incompetent because that's what it was making me think. Like the resistance was obviously just like a yeah, because they couldn't get past two guards. They're yeah, like, they've got like a, at least a dozen people in that compound, and they couldn't break into a prison with two guards. Yeah, that's why I was thinking like, oh, obviously, like the resistance is 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 a uh, is a uh, created by the Mokra themselves. Yeah. To weed out, to weed out. Um, well, you know what the Borgs say: hmm. well, the resistance is futile, <laughs> and we see that the that nothing's more re- futile than this resistance because, yeah. yeah, like they basically accomplish in like a couple hours what the resistance hasn't been able to do, and yeah, God with knows like, how with long. Like three people, uh, with two people, one of them being the dumbest old man of all time, <laughs> yeah, with literal melon top, like, yeah, <laughs> and all he needed was a brick. Right. <laughs> All we needed was, was like a, a fucking a woman with a pussy and a brick. Yeah, that's literally the two things. Mm-hmm. It's nuts. <laughs> it's like they didn't they didn't have like a woman or a brick in the resistance. It's obviously like Darude must be with, like an alt right resistance. Like obviously Darude was probably just like stalling time. Like he's probably just saying he's in the resistance to like get laid. Oh, 100%. like he's like he's oh, like he's, oh. he's like the guy in the DSA. He's like yeah. <laughs> Foucault? Yeah, he's cool. Sure. Want to go back to my place? Yeah, the fucking Ob- Obama in, in college. Oh, yeah, Obama in college. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, Darude Obama. Darude Obama, yeah. Wow, that's too many things going on there. So, Melontop asks Janeway if she's ready to go into the prison after they take their weapons, and Janeway insists that he's not coming with her. He gets all whiny. But she says she's saving his life because she fucking is. Yeah. <laughs> and promises to try to find his wife, but locks him out. He calls after her. He's like, Rokana, no. <laughs> My millions. But uh, see, that, this is definitely would have been a good time for, like, where, yeah. Where she could have been, like. Challenged him. Listen. And, and made uh, him. This is where I'm going to leave you. I'll look for your wife. But, dude, you're insane. Yeah. Like, I'm not your daughter. Goodbye. Yeah, you have to stop this. Don't you get... You need to see the reality and Mm -hmm. have the big, like, dramatic, like, you know, you know, fallout between them and, you know, create an emotional moment. And so then, like, yeah, when he comes back, it's like... Right. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, apparently they had a fucking golden retriever right this episode. (laughs) Golden retriever and a prop comedian. and Mm -hmm. Yeah, the golden retriever has to be This this was ghost written by Carrot Top. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, dedicated to my father. (laughs) Melon Top. (laughs) Um, Back on the Voyager. Ensign Harry Kim is telling everybody on the bridge about (laughs) the planet's sophisticated orbital sensor net, making it impossible to disable it. So much for a surprise attack, says Chakotay, being incompetent. But Ensign Harry Kim says that they may be able to give them a surprise, even if they do see it coming. Ensign Harry Kim suggests sending out multiple modified beams 
to penetrate the shields and hiding the transporter signal in one of them. Chakotay agrees that this is the best idea they have because he doesn't have any good ideas. <laughs> but you know who does? Ensign Harry mm-hmm. Kim. Uh, he asks how long it will take for Ensign Harry Kim, and he says he can do it right now. Chakotay calls to Tom Paris and the away team and asks if they're ready, and they say they are. They begin their plan, but immediately something hits them from the surface. Chakotay orders shields to the max, and they're immediately hailed from the surface. Ar- um, Argus is there saying their attempt to penetrate their shields is a hostile act against the Mokra order, which it is. That makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that 85 phased ca- ion cannons are now trained on the Voyager. He gives them two minutes to withdraw their ship from Mokra's space before they're fired upon. Down in the prison, a guard does something, and Janeway sneaks out from behind a corner. She disables a lock, and an alarm immediately goes off. Taurus, taking this as a cue, attacks a guard who gains the upper hand, but Tuvok gives a little nerve pinch, and down he goes. I, I love the way he delivers this nerve pinch. He does. It's so nonchalant. He's like, well, yeah, fuck it. Yeah, and then like, and then when Blana gives him a look, he's just like, yeah. It's like so, it's just like no word spoken. He's right. just like, <laughs> he gives a look. It's like, eh, it's what I do. Yeah, that's great. Um, so Tuvok takes the guard's weapon, and the two of them take off. Back up on the Voyager, Ensign Harry Kim notices the disruption in the prison shields and reports it to Chakotay. Chakotay asks if they can get through, which Ensign Harry Kim confirms, but the Mokro will be able to detect it. Tom Paris says the disruption might not be an accident and it might be someone trying to get out. He says even if their people didn't cause the problem, they would take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. Chakotay says the Mokra are going to open fire in about 30 seconds, and they might not be able to wait for them. Paris says okay, and leaves them to beam down. Down in the prison, Darude is wandering through a hallway when Janeway calls to him. He takes her towards them... Uh, yeah, he takes her towards them, and she thinks she hears a guard. But guess who it is? Melon Top again. <laughs> uh, he says he has a full new hour, and he's ready to share it with you, although 59 minutes is just smashing watermelons. <laughs> um, uh, Melon Top says uh, he'd do everything in his power to protect his only child. Mm-hmm. Back on Voyager, they're being targeted uh, with a phased ion cannon from the planet, and they put up to full shields. The ion cannons are doing some heavy, heavy damage. We go back to the prison again. Tuvok, Taurus, and Janeway and her team run into each other, and they are relieved. Uh, Melontop insists they must find his wife, so Janeway tells everybody how to get out while she goes to look for her. Suddenly, Ogris shows up with some guards and says that all of the time he spent looking for Janeway, all he had to do was wait at the prison. And it's a pretty sick villain. Like, he, this guy kills it in this episode. He's a great yeah. villain. I wish he was in a uh, episode that was, like, written well. Yeah, and then where he was given more opportunity to do some badass evil shit. And, like, put more melons on people's heads. <laughs> put more melons. Rolls and mouths. <laughs> do some, but do something, like, terrifying where he, like, does like a William Tell thing, like where he puts like the melon on <laughs> on Melon Top's head, and then like oh, shoots holds, it off with a face. Shoots a, yeah, he's like, "Hold very still, Melon Top." <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't want to have an 
Oxytocin. Oxytocin. <laughs> and something just is like that just like chills you to the core. Like I feel like this actor was capable. I love how we decided he's like Werner von Braun. <laughs> yeah, not, yeah. No, no, Werner Herzog rather. Yeah. Werner Herzog. yeah. Or, or Werner von Braun. Why not? Yeah, why not? We must make the atomic bomb <laughs> to drop on the Russians. Um, <laughs> up on Voyager, their shit is getting fucked. Chakotay says they need to get out of weapons range and asks Ensign Harry Kim to scan again for the away team to no avail. Chakotay says they need to break orbit. Suddenly, Ensign Harry Kim notices an electrical storm over the planet's North Pole that might be able to provide some sensor cover for a few minutes. They move to that position for three more minutes of relief and a chance to beam everybody back. Back in the prison... Ogris says he's surprised Melantov came this far as he often tries to rescue his wife, who has in fact been dead for 12 years. <laughs> Melantov denies this, but Ogris says they always send him on his way and make him serve as a reminder to the futility of challenging their hegemon. <laughs> um, but I mean, like, obviously it can be undone with a rock. <laughs> Yeah, with a fucking brick in one slut. Like, come on, guy. Like, your system sucks, man. Yeah. It's like, that just shows, like, how little everyone else, uh, how little everyone on the planet really cares. Mm-hmm. Where, like, they can easily be toppled in, with, with very, with very, very little planning and very, and very, and very, and no, no weapons or anything. They just, like, you know, it's, you know, it's kind of kind of a uh, inspiring in a way but <laughs> yeah. so Ogris says he thought that Melantop learned his lesson when his daughter was shot in front of him mm-hmm. and Melantop is having a serious fucking breakdown about this he's like lies lies Ogris <laughs> uh, says Melantop's foolishness has now condemned another innocent woman which is probably just referring to his wife and his daughter but I like to believe that he has done this multiple times before with multiple like versions of Janeway and gotten them all killed. Oh yeah, like we were talking, like where yeah. he just keeps picking up random women on the street yes. and being like, "You're my Rukana." Oh, yes. <laughs> um. So Melantop has a fit and attacks Augris, giving the others a chance to get the upper hand against the guards. Melantop is shot, but not before stabbing Augris, giving uh, Melantop a hero's death. Mm. As he dies, he calls to Rolkana and says he thought she was shot. She says she's fine. And Mother was so happy to get his letters, giving him a final moment of solace before his death. Mm -hmm. She leans into his ear and she says, she wanted me to tell you something. She forgives you. See you in hell. We both do. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, like, you have died without honor. Um... (laughs) But, uh, holy shit, this actually totally surprised me, and the first time I watched it actually made me tear up immediately. Yeah. I was like, oh, shit, them's the waterworks. What the fuck? I thought I, 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 I do hate this guy. <laughs> but that was an okay redemption for yeah. a moment. Uh, Melantop dies with a smile on his face mm-hmm. uh, and a melon in his heart. <laughs> melon in his heart. Tom Paris shows up, and he's like, hey, it's time to go. I, <laughs> I, Let's yeah. get out of this stupid place. Yeah. Uh, Darude says that no one will forget what Melantop did there. <laughs> He's like, 
I remember his full hour right up here. I'm going to be Melon Top 2. But also, also I love after Melon Top stabs um, Agris. Mm-hmm. Like, the guys with guns, just like the other Makra, just back out. Well, they, they back out after getting their weapons stolen from them. Mm. Yeah. Like, Tuvok so, steals a weapon and shit. Yeah, just like, but they just give up. Like, they're, they, they just roll over. <laughs> Yeah. They offer no resistance. There's only those well, two. Well, we have no good leadership. So <laughs> There's only those two guys in that whole place. Yeah, I think there was only two guards in the entire society. Also, do we ever see more than two guards at one time? I think no. They, and, I think and, they only had know, two costumes. Right, exactly. Because, like, and we also, like, we see two guards here and there, but most of the time they're wearing helmets, and the only time we see two guards without helmets is in front of the prison. Mm. So they could have just been the two guys the entire time. Yeah, yeah. They're just, act, just like, acting like they're... Multiple guys. <laughs> yeah, we love that. So everybody is beamed back to the Voyager, and, and it sails away from the planet. In her ready room, or in um, fucking uh, Janeway's ready room, Ensign Harry Kim is briefing Janeway on all the ship systems for some reason. Yeah. Even though maybe her first mate should do that. Mm. Not not the person who's a fucking ensign who's been running the show while she's gone, but whatever. That's the thing, yeah. I mean, and, and Harry d- did it also. He's just like, well, this is what I did. Yep. <laughs> so uh, Harry asks if she's all right because I guess he's now the ship's counselor as well. Yeah, and the only effective morale officer. He so. wears many hats. He does. Where, where's my hat? Where <laughs> oh, is it? Oh, it's so big. <laughs> where's my hat? It's so my hat's so big because I wear so many of them. Have you seen my hat? <laughs> I have so many hats that I wear on this ship. He just starts saying it to himself like he's losing his mind. <laughs> he is. He's just like the pressure gets to him. I mean, if I was Harry Kim, I would have lost my mind a lot. He starts doing the. He starts doing Melon Top's bit. It's like <laughs> <laughs> just what comes. It comes with. It just comes with losing your mind and completely. <laughs> Where? Where's my pip? Where's my second pip? I don't know. Janeway, do you see a pip on my collar? She stuffed some bread in his mouth. You're not getting the goddamn promotion, Harry. <laughs> Here's your pip, and she just takes some chewing gum and sticks it to his. <laughs> your chewing gum neck now. <laughs> um. So, uh, Harry asks if uh, she's all right, and she says she's fine. Ensign Harry Kim leaves, and Janeway picks up the necklace and looks at it. End <laughs> credits. End of the show. What do you think of this episode? Uh, I hated it. I hated it too. <laughs> Fuck this episode. Like, I I liked like the very moment at the end when the guy died. Yeah, but both because it was decent acting and also because he died, mm-hmm. and I was so tired of him by that point. Yeah, he, like, he this was, guy needs a hero's death. Otherwise, I'm gonna hate. He him. was exhausting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like whatever. This guy didn't do a bad job acting. It's just his character was so fucking annoying mm-hmm. and. And, and fucking, like, Janeway's, like, I don't know what her thought process was. It doesn't yeah. make any sense, because Janeway, in any other episode, would have been like, you're fucked in the head, old man. Get the fuck away from me. But she humors him the entire episode, and she's like, yeah, I'll go along with your plan. And, and that's one thing, like, I, it, it doesn't make sense, because, like, it, it makes it seem like she needs to stay with him because she's in hiding. But then, like after, but then after, but then later, she's out in the open for presumably six hours at one point, and then she, and then, uh, and then even going up, right, and walking up to the guards as herself, and and also, so, uh, 
Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Also, <laughs> obviously, Ogris knows who Melantop is and has dealt with him many times before in his yeah. many schemes to get his wife. How did he not see through him doing the fucking hat routine? Why didn't he go like, well, this is suspicious. I usually don't see this guy unless yeah. he's trying to break into the prison. Yeah. Hmm, and here he is right in front of the prison. Mm-hmm. Hmm, bizarre. This man who has a weird hangups about his dead wife and daughter. <laughs> and he hates me and he wants me dead. <laughs> and he keeps on trying to rescue his dead wife and daughter. Mm-hmm. And we're looking for a strange woman. Hmm, nothing. No, he cannot. Mm-hmm. It's just, oh, holy shit, this comedy routine uh, rocks. I totally uh, forgot what I was doing. <laughs> Fuck. Ooh, this off-world will test me at every turn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're too crafty. Yeah, that's 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 one thing, like, the it really needed was, like, yeah, there, some sort of, like, like Janeway testing him. Mm-hmm. Also, like, yeah, a, like, a cl- more clear visual cues on... on on the oppressive uh, right. environment, like more guards, like more than two. Like mm-hmm. I know they can only muster two costumes, yeah. But like they could have like also had other guards and just like just you know bl- a black jumpsuit or something. You know, just yeah. They could they... have other uniforms, like have the, the uh, yeah. uh, just the two guys who follow Augurus around or his special bodyguards who have yeah. like, the cool black shit, and then everyone else can just wear like a black robe or I don't care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's something to like bring home that like okay, there's there's some really high stakes involved in this and like oh wow they really fucked um uh melon top up and like we get that melon top's fucked up but then right. but when we see melon top like interacting in the world he just it just makes him seem even more insane because mm-hmm. everyone else is just seems like they don't care about the current political environment envi- <laughs> like um environment or they don't seem to be suffering in any way and no. and so yeah, we need more suffering yeah just some just something because it's like you know only an hour long tv show and we're only getting very brief scenes on this planet so we needed something that I mean, more that, they could have even done it through like great exposition with um mm-hmm. fucking darude he could have been like oh my people have been fighting this war for so many years this is what they do and this is what they do mm-hmm. yeah instead of like spending and janeway spending all of her time with uh melon top she could have like had some had another scene where she goes and meets with the underground resistance and sees like what they're planning like but instead we need a three minute long scene about letters letters and this guy's shaky hands yeah like and it was just so boring yeah like it was it was a very boring episode like yeah i'm gonna gonna say this is probably actually the worst random episode we've watched so far. Yeah, I would say so. Like, I, I, I didn't like it. We've I been, don't like it at all. We've been pretty excited for all the other random yeah, ones. Yeah, we've we've gotten like some eh ones here and there, but yeah. like and like the the lower decks episode we watched was eh. Uh, mm-hmm. I excreed us uh, a while back. That was mm-hmm. eh, but like this one was like painful at points and like mm-hmm. I I hated the writing on this episode for the most part. It was yeah. pretty bad. Yeah, it was awful. Pretty fucking bad. Acting's fine. But, like, the writing and, like, so many of the characters just don't match up. And maybe it's because it's season two and no one's really fleshed out here. But, yeah. first off, fucking Ensign Harry Kim is the smartest person on the ship by mm-hmm. far. Yeah. He's the only effective person this entire episode mm-hmm. who actually does anything besides kind of Janeway. Yeah. But it's like, and Chakotay is just like. And really, Janeway got very little resistance. Yeah. <laughs> like, too. She got lucky. Too, she got lucky in, like, yeah, I mean. Yeah, when you start to think about the episode more, yeah, like why was she why like because the only it, the only reason she like needed the characters were forced together 
um, you know, with the premise that that she was in hiding, but mm-hmm. she goes out and she's out in public. Right after that, and for, for hours, for six hours, hours, six hours, just waiting in a corner to market, looking <laughs> suspicious with this old man who, like, all, who is all, known, yeah. known to the Mokra, yeah, known to like law enforcement, yeah. Like it's, it's it's so then so then you realize she didn't need to be with him at all. No, or, she shouldn't have been and, with him because he endangers her because he's incompetent yeah. and like. Mm-hmm. But he does save her with his funny, 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 funny comedy routine. Melon top. Melon top. Well, at least I like the name for him, Melon Top. It's yeah. a good name. At least, at least we came up with a new funny thing to talk about. A new little meme. <laughs> Um, so yeah that one like i don't know if i didn't land well yeah yeah, if i had to give it like a an actual like number rating i'm gonna give it like a three out of ten yeah it's appropriate yeah not great yeah i mean not even good bad yeah it's like one that you would never really want to visit again unless i wanted to make someone watch it it. (laughs) exactly yeah it's not like one that you want to be like oh you got to watch this episode and if and if you were doing like you know like just kind of like a casual watch through like you wouldn't you could just skip it like yeah. unless you unless you were set on like com- do, completing the entire you know series like there would be no need to go back and watch this absolutely yeah <laughs> well that's our uh, old trek for the week uh do you want to find out what uh trek episode we will be watching next week i can dig it all right let's do the random number generator beep, boop, 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 here we are at the <laughs> random number machine. Uh, so we'll choose the third number here and uh, find out what uh, number in production uh, of Star Trek episodes that was. Mm-hmm. And we'll go from there. All right. First number. 104. Probably uh, early TNG or uh, mm-hmm. TOS. Not that one. Second number. 641. Hmm. Probably, I don't know, probably late Voyager, maybe. Maybe Enterprise, even. Yeah. Could be. Who knows? And the final number, and the, uh, what we'll be watching next week. Hit it. 306. Woohoo! It's going to be early DS9 episode. Looks like it's going to be from season two, episode 14 of DS9, Whispers. It's, a, it's an O'Brien yeah. episode, I think. Fuck yeah. Yeah, we love an O'Brien episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, yeah, that episode fucking slaps. Yeah, so that's an O'Brien Must Suffer episode, and we love to talk about O'Brien suffering. It's mm-hmm. one of my favorite things in all of Star Trek. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Um, yeah, that is all of the old Trek for the week. So with that, let's get in to some subspace transmissions. Subspace Transmissions Subspace Transmissions Oh boy, here we are in subspace. It's that part of the show where we look at uh, comments and little snippets from around the internet and uh, talk about what people are talking about, about Star Trek. Oh boy. So uh, let's start with uh, some some reviews of the very recent. Uh, These are all from today. Um, from today's episode mm. of uh, Lower Decks that we watched. Some uh, some stuff from r slash Star Trek on Reddit. Das Gannon says, uh, it'll be, I don't know, like 20 hours ago now. That was a great episode! We got some light fourth wall slash 
morality-leaning, oh yeah, I would like to withdraw some worthless paper, which we agree has some worth to it, <laughs> some light world-building, oh yeah, nitrous oxide, Orions are immune to that, how about humans, and here's some hot mud baths from Telar Prime. But I think it's characters and character gags that worked best. Plus, it's amusing to just think what Shax did all episode. Starts in engineering, goes off shift with Tana, comes back on shift at Tactical. <laughs> she did, I guess. Yeah. Um, uncertain Error says right after that, We should be so lucky to see a future where bonks are obsolete. Yeah, agreed. I like the implication that there were multiple Darcy cultures, and they just all sent out archives that are now hazards for starships everywhere. It's a kind of fun implication for mm -hmm. the opening. And uh, Born Ashes says to that, It's kind of sad, but realistic in a way. There's probably a ton of civilizations out there that just never made the leap to warp travel, or that existed in a pocket of space that just didn't have uh, other civilizations at the time, and because of that, they basically lived out their whole existence never having seen or run into anybody else at all. Eventually, by the time their civilization was winding down, they realized that no one would remember them at all, and as such, created objects like archives, so someone that would, in time, eventually. Mm -hmm. Space is big. Space is empty. Space is full of a whole lot of stuff, and until the advent of faster-than-light propulsion communication systems, it's very easy to go a-wandering in the dark for years upon years without bumping into someone else, just like you at all. So I feel like the existence of multiple Darcy culture archives is Star Trek's acknowledgement of this, and that as fun as the current galaxy is and active as it is, Folks did indeed live and die and build and create for billions of years before all of this happened. And there's a ton more history to the galaxy that's just floating through space, waiting to be discovered. Mm -hmm. It's a sad but beautiful truth about the galaxy that just because of its sheer scale and age that the most amazing civilizations could have lived and died without them knowing anyone else at all, or anyone else knowing them at all, until some starship bumps into their Remember Us archives millions mm -hmm. of years later. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's an interesting insight. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's, like, I mean, humans, there's no way we'll ever, like, meet anything interstellar. We yeah, I was I was just thinking that, like, like the optimist in me mm -hmm. wants to believe that... No. <laughs> that a, that optimist a, is wrong. That a better future is one day possible... Several generations down the line that will, you know, reach world peace and actually, like, you know, have, like, a federation level. They'll reincarnate Bernie and will finally win. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, it, like, in the night for a single purpose and 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 seek to, like, explore beyond our own solar system and all that stuff. And, like, I've had, my optimist in me mm -hmm. wants that for us so bad. And but the pessimist in me, just you like, mean the realist, in <laughs> the me? realist of me, the person who lives in a society, in you, <laughs> yeah, like looks around, and it's very easy to become depressed and and like um, and not and see like yeah, like as that post said, you know, we'll just like eventually just die out and be forgotten, completely forgotten, and not old, well, not even forgotten, just be completely 
overlooked and not e- not even be a blip on the on the uh, intergalactic scale of, <laughs> of the- yeah we should i mean we should really get like start now figuring out a way to possess masks yeah you know yeah, just get those masks and. <laughs> That's all I care about now. I want to possess a mask and like fuck with some space people. Somebody Wait. stop me! <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> or like an inner, or the, like the inner light. Hold on to your lug nuts! <laughs> it's time for an overhaul. <laughs> or we could do like an inner light type thing. Oh yeah, yeah. That, like have just, just like have. Uh, oh my god, can you imagine if we like you know an alien visitor and we're like, remember us, and we send uh, one of their leaders into experience Earth culture. What the fuck? <laughs> they don't leave learning how to play the flute. They just like, <laughs> just like uh, I post on the internet and mm-hmm. I ate. Like a like a giant burger, I ate, I, I ate ten thousand calories in one sitting. Have you heard of this <laughs> internet pornography? It's fascinating. <laughs> There's so many things that can be made out of corn. Have you? Can you believe it? <laughs> it's like it's like they replicate things, but it's all corn. <laughs> it's all corn. Um. So, uh, final comment on here. There wasn't a ton of comments, but just because I take the comments so soon after it airs. Yeah. It's the only drawback. Yeah, it aired today, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's the only drawback of being so fast on the on the gun, so quick on the trigger. Yeah, so fast on that whip to review episodes. Um, mm-hmm. So, a uh, Trek fan seventy four says, "This episode was great. So much goodness. I love them going through all the decks of the ship. That was fun. Everyone in engineering to relax on the Dove was hilarious too. That puppy." You know the one is why dogs are just amazing, LOL. Yeah, I can agree with that. But the best part <laughs> was the funny but quite disturbing holodeck fantasy of Shax and Dr. Tana getting away with a bank heist and then having sex with the hostages looking on. I mean, that was badass. I don't know. And people <laughs> say Starfleet officers got soft in the 24th century. <laughs> Eight out of ten. Yeah. Great. Cool, fun. I thought it was a pretty good episode. Maybe, yeah, maybe eight out of ten. Yeah, it's about right. Maybe I guess that's. Yeah. It, was a, it was a better than average episode of Star Trek Lower Decks. And had, had some had some goofs, had some laughs. I yeah. liked it. I, yeah. I don't think any episode has gotten to like a nine or ten quite, but it was one of the mm-hmm. better episodes. Yeah, I'd say all of the better episodes are kind of eights and eights, eights ish. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on. Uh, now we got a bunch of reviews from IMDb specifically for the episode of Star Trek Voyager. Uh, yeah. Do you want to go from the worst review to the best or opposite? 10 to 1 or 1 to 10? Uh, let's, so go 10 to, let's go range. 10 to 1. Let's do a countdown. All right, 10 to 1. <laughs> First... First review, uh, 10 out of 10 stars, written on December 10th, 2020, by Justin underscore 9282517. I'm curious to see what they liked, because, I mean, we just basically mm-hmm. talked about what we hated about them, yes. about it, and why we hated it, <clears throat> so I'm curious to so see he, what, the, what the other half is saying. <clears throat> so he says, the first truly transcendent episode of Voyager. 
Of all the episodes prior to this one in the first two seasons, this is the closest to classic Star Wars <laughs> that Voyager comes in visual style, story elements, and emotional heft. What? The guest performance by Joel Grey as the broken and deluded uh, Melantov is an unforgivable gem, and Kate rises expertly to the occasion presented by the script in the Grey's beautiful work meeting his subtle power with her charismatic poise and humanity. Indeed, the entire cast elevates their game. Tim Russ and Roxanne Dawson have a memorably believable debate as prisoners, and Robert Beltran steps gamely into the captain's chair aboard Voyager. No, he doesn't. Alan Scarf <laughs> is also excellent in his guest role as Augurus, the malevolent Mokra leader. Yeah, he was actually. Neelix, the doctor, and Kess yeah. are all gratefully set aside for an episode. Neelix is not. You're wrong. Did yeah, you, what? Did, did you watch the same episode, asshole? Yeah, Neelix was pretty prominent in that episode. Uh, Winrick Colby's direction is superbly cinematic. Uh, what, what? What movie? The Star Wars Christmas special? <laughs> he rings everything from the low-budget but gritty planetary sets as well as the climactic scenes on the dark red alert Voyager bridge. It wasn't ever dark. What? Hmm? Once or, uh, for once, we see our characters in dramatically interesting lighting from intelligently oblique camera angles and in intense, gripping close-ups when narratively appropriate. It's a beauty of an episode, and for me, a perfect ten. Even though it contains none of the philosophy 101 fun of so many other prior episodes, it's a simple tale that feels like it takes place a long time ago. In a galaxy far, far away. I did not get any Star Wars sort of. I didn't either. Like it wasn't like it wasn't very fantasy. No, it was and... just like it was. Yeah, it was like old, like old new technology, like Star Wars. That's the only thing is like the grungy aesthetic of it. That's it. I mean, I'm wondering if he just saw like the marketplace and was just like, oh, it's that, like that's Tat- Star Wars, Tatooine. It's like Tatooine, and yeah, I mean like. Now and I did think like the prison, their height, you know, their their um, their inescapable prison, pretty much just looked like a cave, yeah. <laughs> you know, almost. It just yeah. it didn't it didn't look great. Obviously, yeah, it looked like a repurposed cave set. Yeah, absolutely. And um, and yeah, I did not get there was it was not visually like that's one other thing that I felt like it was not visually appealing at all. It was all browns different shades of browns and it's just like lots of browns <laughs> it's just like just beige and, and uh and like the cleveland browns this one's a loser <laughs> yeah yeah there's nothing that really popped except like that you know that br- that vibrantly green melon that they put on top of his head oh, we love like that. whoa color uh-oh and uh but yeah i don't know what this what, what crack this guy's smoking <laughs> <laughs> Nor do I. It's something hauntingly powerful, though. Just like yeah. the next review, Uh-oh. nine out of ten hauntingly powerful performances from Joel Gray. In Damn, it's 2020, 2020 review. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, Andrew Scretved, probably Dutch, uh, says on the 29th of January, 2020. This episode surprises me with its emotional impact. Joel Gray's performance as Melentop seems very 
highly underrated. TV is rarely as human as his portrayal of this heartbreakingly doting resistor of tyranny. Gray and Milgrew's chemistry on screen is evocative of Patrick Stewart and his supporting cast in Inner Light. What? Truly, I believe this episode is underrated by fans. This vignette within the larger context of the episode for me makes it special. Special in TV moments and special in Star Trek. Will the future inheritors of the Star Trek legacy ever be able to live up to simple emotion as this? What? (laughs) Like what? I don't know. I feel like people are reading more into that guy's performance than... Yeah, it wasn't that good, man. No. I don't know. Like, a lot of people here, too, said that they really liked Caleb's acting performance, or Melantops, and I'm like, no, it sucked. Yeah, again, like, it would have been more effective if we we saw more of the horrors of their society. Right, but we didn't. We yeah, we, we took it took it at his word. Yeah, we, we everything we heard was uh, secondhand from him, like what they did, and like, and that's a you know, obviously, like with with a visual medium, you want to show, not tell. Mm-hmm. And we, all we did was get told what they were doing. We didn't get True. to see we didn't get to see any of the actual horrors for ourselves, oh, and, yeah. and like and emphasize with him more. Oh, it's like the beginning of uh, Star Wars too. Where they're talking about like all the adventures. That yeah. <laughs> Terrible. No, maybe that's why it was like Star Wars. All right. Another one we got here. Um, the Vac Installer has a review from April 5th, 2020. Gives it a 7 out of 10. It says, You'll need a drink. It's worth the hour for Janeway's luscious glowing <laughs> hair and rocking that bod for being over 40. Oh, hells yeah, bro. This is one of those episodes that I watch and I feel depressed. (laughs) This poor Cola character is a broken man due to the tragedies that have occurred in his life. While he's technically alive, he's certainly not living, and he imprints his daughter's image on Drainway in an attempt to ignite some semblance of life within himself. I am not sure what the message of the episode is, but I took (laughs) it as a study of uh, PTSD on the brain. We get a bittersweet ending. Kula dies, lunging to save Janeway, and Janeway slash his daughter reassures him that his wife and daughter are safe and forgive him. I do like the premise of this episode. Voyager running low on supplies and being forced into difficult situations, this situation being a clear violation of the Prime Directive. I think they could have added some spice to the episode with Tuvok slash Lieutenant Taurus getting into discussions with Argus about how they run the society. Maybe give a Kirk X speech about the dystopian black hole of a society that they have created. Solid acting by Janeway and Melantop. Yeah. Getting some spice. Does he mean like Tuvok and Milano? No, spice it up. Let's, get, a... let's get it on. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, he is right about like, like talk something more about the, about their actual society and what the Moker actually stands for mm-hmm. besides just like, just being like blandly evil, just like, yeah, just like, <laughs> just like, just like, okay. Yeah. We're just, we're vaguely just evil. fascist, vaguely fascist. And like, well, what do they stand for? Like, what is their, like, what are they trying to enforce? They stand for having sex with prostitutes on the job, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that's the thing. You need an idea. Good, I- good melon comedy. Also. Like, you know, they need an ideology that, they, that, that 
that uh that they that they base their whole thing off of like their whole fascist ideology from so it's like you need something yeah uh like yes uh instead of mind conf they have a melon conf <laughs> <laughs> my melon um, so, <laughs> Tweakums says on uh, July 13th 2010 gives seven stars and says mistaken identity is the title here says, okay uh, desperately low on a chemical needed to operate the warp core and a way team is sent to acquire some on a nearby planet the problem <laughs> is the planet is run by an oppressive regime which does not like strangers during the deal, the away team is discovered by local authorities. Tubak and Bolana are captured. Janeway is wounded but saved by a local man, and only Neelix manages to escape. Luckily, he has the needed chemicals so a Voyager can restart her engines at least. When Janeway awakens, she learns that the man who rescued her thinks she is his daughter, even though she clearly is a different species from him. She learns that his wife is in custody and that he is desperate to break her out. As she is being held at the same facility as Tuvok and Bolana, she agrees to help him. During the break-in, they are caught, and the leader of the security forces mocks him, telling him that his wife and daughter died many years before. As he lies dying, Janeway tells him that it was a lie, and acts out the part of his daughter so he can die content. This was a reasonable episode. Joel Gray did a decent job as Melantop, the old man. <laughs> and the scenes between him and Janeway were quite touching. No, they weren't. No. And the story itself was okay, but not one of the best Voyager episodes. We didn't see anything from the planet apart from a few crowded alleyways, which made it as though it was all done on the cheap. It was. And you give it a 7 out of 10, guy? Yeah. How low is your bar? <laughs> Jesus Christ. And yeah, like, you know, and plus I think he's reading more into the thing. I mean, like I mean, I guess they do kind of establish like, you know, they the um Agoras talks to Chakotay about, you know, they don't they don't trust the outsiders. Mm-hmm. But you don't see that on the street. True. Like like Janeway, um uh Janeway and um you know, and the others from Voyager stand out like a sore thumb, that would have mm-hmm. been a good good way to just really illustrate like their uh how oppressive it is like they could have been like do you see what happens when these outsiders come you know and yeah, like yeah. just just something just just yeah, like the, the structure of this episode was fine did it yeah. good bones they just fucked it up yeah and made it like a big acting episode for like for joel gray who's like f- <laughs> fine in the part but the part was dumb yeah ins- yeah instead of like instead of like having i mean they could have just set something up. Just give us, you know, just throw us a fucking bone to admit to, to, you know, really like care about, you know, melon top shit, but they didn't, they couldn't bother to give us anything. Like they, they, what they, you know, they could have made take him, what you're given. Yeah. I mean, they could have done like the easy thing, you know, make him like, um, make him some sort of ethnic minority on the, on the, on the planet to, to make, to show why he was, why he and his family were targeted that in, the, sense, in yeah. the first place. Like just something like, but they're like, no, we've already done eleven racism allegories so far, yeah. and this is what episode twelve of the season. So yeah, and and then like, and then of course, then like the the offworlders are just walking around with no problem at all. They're not even being harassed really no. until like until they they're presumably like associated with the supposed resistance of the planet, right? <laughs> and and so 
So yeah, it was it was it was confusing, completely confusing, like very much so. Not yeah. a not a well written episode, poorly written, very poorly written. Yeah. So uh, next we got another our last seven out of ten from uh, Hitchcock C O C. Hitchcock. Uh, he writes on August sixteenth, twenty eighteen. He gives a seven out of ten. Shows some humanity. Since this series is often episodic, that is having a story that is self-contained and singular. In this, the crew goes in disguise to get a substance necessary to their war propulsion. In the process, they cross another hostile entity, the leader of which kidnaps some of them. Janeway is saved by a deluded man, played by Joel Grey, who thinks she's his daughter. He is searching for his wife, who was captured years previously by the bad guys. A bond develops... It starts as pity, and then she sees his admirable traits. No, she doesn't. Uh, Tuvok is tortured along with Taurus as Chakotay tries to negotiate. I thought it was pretty well paced and don't agree with the harsh criticism. While this is a continuing story with an end goal, it doesn't mean there can't be other events. Um, Fair-ish, but still wasn't a good episode. No. You're still wrong. Still, still It still too deserves high. a harsh, harsh criticism. <laughs> so, sucked a dick guy. Sorry. <laughs> uh, next uh, starting to drop here we have a 6 out of 10 Plankton Rules says on the 13th of February 2015 decent but overly sentimental at times in this episode of Star Trek Voyager Joel Grey plays a crazy old guy who mistakes Janeway for his lost daughter it all begins with a misguided covert mission on some crappy planet ruled by the Mokra some paranoid nasties. I say that the mission is misguided because the away team consists of a black Vulcan, a half Klingon, the captain, and Neelix. Traveling incognito certainly is not their style. Yeah. It's no surprise that Mokra soldiers descended upon them. Great point. Great point, guy. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Yeah, that's, they could have easily just put the fake no shit on. Yeah, right. And... Tuvok and Taurus are captured. Neelix escapes back to the ship and Janeway is rescued by Melantop. Played by Grey. For much of the show, Chakotay is back on the ship trying to go negotiate with the local authorities. Oddly, the boss man on the planet seems nice and accommodating. And Neelix is sure it's a trap, as the Mokra are big, dumb jerk faces. Eventually, Neelix's optimism is shown to be sound, and the Mokra start taking shots at Voyager. You mean his pessimism? Yeah. Fortunately, Harry Ensign Harry Kim pulls a solution out of his butt in this sort of miraculous way, uh... Happens an awful lot on the show. In the meantime, the captain finds some local resistance folk and they sneak into the prison surprisingly easily in order <laughs> to rescue her two crew members. Then there's a showdown and Melontop bites it. This isn't a bad episode. Well, it also isn't good. So many bad episodes were made during season two that a mediocre one like this is a bright spot. On the positive side, the Mokra are interesting enemies and it's nice to see Mr. Gray as he's a fine actor. On the negative... Kim's solution is very contrived, as the uh, as is the rescue at the prison. Yeah, I, I do take that, but mm -hmm. also, I mean, it, it was bad. Once again, it's bad, it's bad, and it's bad. Yeah, the Mokro weren't really interesting villains. They Not were just kind of just like, they relied mostly on you associating them with Nazis. And to, to, yeah. Because, like, they, because, yeah, they didn't do anything to make you really hate them. Or consider them a threat in any way. Agreed. <laughs> uh, there was nothing in between the six 
score and the one score. So we're just going to yeah. go all the way down to the two bottom scores for this episode. Hell yeah. Which I probably agree with more than any of these other ones. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Twanster97655 says on March 30th, 2021, given a one star, he says, filler episode. He says, the acting is good, but the plot is weak. Kate and Gray have good chemistry, and I like his character, but the writers did this too often in Star Trek. One moment they're able to battle the Borg, (laughs) or best species, 8472, and the next they can't overcome a pretty weak species. The writers had to do too much fiction to make our heroes powerless to help. Yeah. It's not an episode I'd watch again. My biggest problem with it is the ship goes on to beat the Borg, 8472, and many more, but with fill episodes, we have to dumb it down and make a weak plot work. Yeah, <laughs> I agree with you, Twinster. Yeah. And maybe, like, the, uh, they did have good chemistry because, yeah, they both appeared at uh, Joel Gray and Kate Mulgrew appeared at and, uh, Remo Williams, The Adventure Begins together. That's right. Yeah, you told me about that. Right? So maybe that's where they got the, maybe that's why they paired them together. I guess maybe she likes working with him or something. It's like uh, we need a we need a demented old idiot. And she's like, "Hey, I know just the guy." Yeah, I I, uh, I think he probably shouldn't have gone so far into wacky to just being like, like, just completely nuts. Where's my hand? Yeah, just like because like there comes a certain point where it becomes like annoying, annoying, and uh. And you stop really associating with him. Oh, and, yeah. And when you're just like, fuck this guy. Shut yeah, up. Yeah, and, it, and it, it went too weird. And You know you know what that moment is? Hmm. Good morning. <laughs> Where's my hat? <laughs> yeah, like, I was, yeah, I was, yeah, I didn't connect with his character at all. No, not at all. Bad, bad stuff. <laughs> too bad, Dad. All right. We're going to close out uh, Subspace Transmissions on this last one. Um, and I totally, I agree with most of this. Bulls Roar says on the 2nd of February, 2011, wow. given her one star and he says, pointless. Wow. A truly baffling episode. Insulated, counterclimactic, <laughs> sentimental and stale. It plays like part two of a terrible two part next generation episode. <laughs> as the show opens in the middle of the action no backstory as to what's happened before. Oh, I would say like they catch you up pretty quick. Yeah, they they, they do enough exposition. Yeah, and, and you can you 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 your brain kind of connects the dots yeah. of what's happening. And so you know, watching it you're like, "Oh yeah, okay." But there are a lot of plot holes still. Oh yeah, yeah, so, definitely. So <laughs> it quickly becomes obvious that we haven't missed anything. Janeway, a waiting beam down to a planet occupied by the Mokra. This week's Nazi metaphor in order to obtain terillium, an element necessary to stabilize the warp core and provide an excuse for a Voyager to stop on a new planet every week. Two Vok and Taurus are captured after Neelix returns with juice. It's more of a of a of a of a tank's uh, powder. Yeah, powder. Like Neelix has come more than uh, yeah. Neelix's um, uh, mm, gland, gland porridge. Mm. Uh, and Janeway spends the rest of the show humoring a delusional Joel Grey while attempting to rescue her people. This was numbingly stupid and offensively hollow. <laughs> it's the Star Trek equ- 
equivalent of a styrofoam peanut. Resistance is light, meaningless, inexpensive filler with absolutely no purpose. The TV's on, but no one's home. I want my hour back. Grade F. That's fair. Yeah, I like that, guys. I mean, uh, yeah, like... It was clearly it was done with the most inexpe- inexpensive <laughs> set. That he's totally right. Like yeah. it was less like okay, uh, what uh, villager outfits do we have? All right, filled everyone with the villager oh, outfits. Oh, just rags. Fine, put rags. 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 Okay. Uh, okay. Just the the simplest nose thing. All right. And okay, we have two uh, two Nazi outfits. All right. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so okay we got a cave that's the prison all yep. right we're ready to roll people all right well oh do we have a dog shit script yeah we have definitely a dog shit script <laughs> yeah. let's do it yeah i mean it was i mean that's the thing you know they were doing like what 26 episodes yeah. per season yeah, so doing so many they all can't be bangers like no, especially and this is during the time when they're doing ds9 and voyager at the same time mm-hmm. and so they're pulling double duty here and like mm-hmm. you know both of them I mean, DS9 at this point is in its fourth or fifth season, but like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Voyager is still so in the second slapping. season. And so, like, everyone's so fucking busy. They, mm-hmm. they, they only have so much bandwidth. And so, yeah. So, you know, it's fair. It, like, they, you know, they probably got Joel Gray on the cheap. Yeah. They so, used... you know, you're going to make an, a dog shit episode here and there, but man, this episode's some real fucking dog shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Would not recommend watching not at all. Yeah. Well, I guess that's subspace transmissions. Woohoo! Oh, oh boy. Uh, and with that, I think it is time to say goodbye to some of our fallen comrades. Will the awaiting pinch and somebody had to die? But thanks a lot. Time to beam up to the big red shirt in the sky. Today, we remember Crewman Watson, an engineer who served aboard the USS Enterprise under Captain James T. Kirk. Crewman Watson expired after discovering sabotage of the warp core by sabotage. Crichton, Alon's chief bodyguard. Alon Musk, that is. Oh. Really. Uh, who then goes on to tamper uh, with the warp core engine some more. However, soon after he is captured... He commits suicide. Mm. So I guess the score is pretty much even. Yeah. So rest in peace among the stars, Crewman Watson. And fuck you, Crichton, you Mm. big asshole. Crichton! Thank you for your contribution to the greater good. Yeah. R.I.P. Bozo. I guess. Yeah. (laughs) And I guess that's our show. Cool. Uh, Patty, Pat, 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 where can we find you on the online? I am uh, at... Atomic Bomb on Twitter mm-hmm. and uh, was it Soy Trek Pat on uh-huh. Reddit? Yeah, I mean, but more than anything, just uh, go follow us on social medias. We got uh, yeah. we got a Facebook, we got a, oh, yeah. a real active Reddit, we got a real active uh, re- um, fucking Instagram. Yeah, we got we got all the just just go check us out on the social shit. Yeah, I guess I need to get an Instagram. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I mean, you make enough fucking memes and shit. Just like let it be anonymous and just like post yeah. shit post. Like, yeah, it's fun. Fun for everyone. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Where do we find you, Mr. Britt? Oh, uh, yeah, just go, just find me on at Soytrek on any socials. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know what? Go ahead. And we have got so much fucking merch up. Go to our, uh, go to our Etsy store. It's, mm-hmm. um, you know, just 
follow the link in the bio on any of our socials. Yeah. That's where that shit is. Hell yeah. With that, Captain's Log Supplemental. Well, that's all. Looks like it's time for us to warp away. Be well. Travel safe. And as Ferengi rule of acquisition number 102 says, nature decays, but latinum lasts forever. Hells yeah. All right. Thanks for trekking with the soy boys, girls, and other rodley beans. Hang dong. And shocker. Soy, 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 so